Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I am your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Harvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMM Show75. Uh, we've got Casey here today. Hi. Hello, brother. Oh, not much. Glad to be here. I I apologize to Sunny Kiss for not being here last week because I had homework. My last homework in my last class had to come first. I'm sorry, Sunny. Come on again so we can talk to you. It's Sunny weird. Kiss he was thinking of, us that you weren't on the show last last. Oh, week. The Sunny was Aww. not. The Sunny the Sunny Kiss episode was very uh, well received. Uh, even Lucha Blog was was hot on that one. And uh, what's going on with you, Byron? You look like you're well-dressed tonight. Why are you dressed up so much? I am uh, at Byron Fever. I paid a lot of money for this blazer, and I never get to wear it. So I'm going to wear it for our esteemed guest tonight. Yeah, what's that sexy shirt you're wearing, Byron? I'm wearing this shirt, which is the only shirt that Lucha Underground sells because it's the best one. Did it come with a matching cod piece? (laughs) No, okay. I think... That's the only reason, really, we brought uh, Paul London on the show is to yeah, ask. And I wanted, I wanted to tell Mister London that I'm the fan season two and three that was always yelling for codpiece merch. That was me. Oh, the good. Really- yeah, there's, it's still they're still in China. <laughs> <laughs> Damn well, shipping containers. Yeah. And if you folks haven't figured it out, our guest this evening is none other than. Uh, Former WWE Tag Team Champion, former Cruiserweight Champion, current Lucha Underground Superstar, and 10 million other accolades that are far too numerous to mention. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's Paul London. It's time to go oh, down yeah. the rabbit hole with Paul London, guys. How's it going, the Paul? Ning Hao. Ning Hao. Oh, um, yeah, I think that's Chinese. I was still in China. Thank you for having me, guys. This is cool. You guys are really teaching me a lot about technology as well with this Hangout stuff. I'll probably delete it once this is over, but uh, it's a cool experience, and I, I hope we can do this again already. Well, it, it is kind of fun, and it, it takes a little time to get people used to it and on, but uh, we've got a few, like I was telling you before the show, we got Marty Elias on, but that was like a two-day ordeal, and then it was like a week later, Marty Elias had his own podcast. It was yeah, like, he loved it that much. He was like, I'm going to do this all the time. You lured him with kiss tickets or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to lure Paul with some Faith No More tickets, you know. Oh, you <laughs> bastard. They never showed up in the mail. <laughs> yeah, that's still, that's, that's, that's your, I mean, I saw, I've seen Faith No More at the Palladium, and then I've seen them at the, uh, at the Wiltern. And, uh, nice. man, those are, those were incredible shows. The one at the Palladium was a little bizarre, because I'm pretty sure I saw a girl dead. Um, she was not like just white. like goth, goth makeup, like dead. <laughs> yeah, they were like paramedics, like working on this girl. She was on the floor because I was kind of at the back and like one of the little kind of raised mezzanine. It's not really a mezzanine balcony per se, but you know what I mean? So it's at the back, but there was like paramedics working on this girl and she was, you know, like white and purple. And I just figured, you know, this is, this is, uh, last cup of sorrow you know sorry but this is my song so i had to i had to just enjoy the concert but it was an experience <laughs> i'm sure she was fine yeah maybe who knows you know if you're gonna go fuck man like <laughs> that's the way i guess you know like you enjoy one of the top bands in my opinion of all time so fuck yeah it. yeah i had to i had to mention faith no more because one of my friends would kill me that's a huge fan of you and oh, faith man. no more so 
Yeah. yeah, since I was, you know, since, uh, you know, since Epic, I guess, because I was, yeah. I was in it, I was a part of the MTV generation when they still played music videos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so ever since I've just been hooked, you know, through all their albums and, you know, Mike Patton as well. And I was listening his to Tomahawk stuff. earlier this week. Oh, Tomahawk's rad, man. I hadn't heard it in I, a while. It was great. Yeah, I think, um, especially Byron, like, there's a song called Antelope Ceremony that I think, uh, the whole album they have this tribal album and the whole thing is just so cinematic man like it's you can just like i don't know about you but when i write things you know when i write stories or when i when i write a lot of anything music helps me write not music so much with words it depends on the attitude of the song but for me i love writing to music because it inspires so much imagination that uh, anyways, there's this faith. Yeah, Tomahawk. There's this song called Antelope Ceremony, which is uh, it's a really badass song. You could either really like fuck somebody to that song, or like fuck <laughs> somebody up to that song, or like nice. eat them, like, sacrifice them, and eat them. You know, all all sound like great options to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dep- depending right on away. the order that you do them in. Typical weekend. But- <laughs> <laughs> Yahia Kuhn in our uh, chat room is saying that she remembers yeah. you singing at WrestleFest 8? Probably. Did that happen? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. There's like, what? first of all, like, what is a WrestleFest? And then <laughs> every, like, I think every region in America, there's some promotion that runs a WrestleFest of some sorts, whether it's followed with Roman numerals or just a number, who knows? But there is a WrestleFest, you know, so very possibly, yes, that I did sing at a WrestleFest because I enjoy singing and uh, that's my shine, you know? Now, Paul, are you a fan? Are you a fan of the WrestleFest arcade game? Love it. Yeah. yeah, Who was was your team, dude? Mine was Bossman and Jake. Hard that times. was a formidable team. Yeah, I, I'm I'm such a Kurt Hennig mark that I was oh, always yeah. either Mr. Perfect or I used Demolition on rotation. Uh, I loved um, I loved the Demolition because they had Crush. I think they had yeah. Crush in that. Yeah, and I thought that was rad because he was my favorite of the Demolition guys. And uh, I don't know. Every occasionally I would use Warrior just because he was so colorful. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Game. I like yeah, uh, once uh, Slaughter had the um he had the, the noogie dude finish the I love that oh yeah the noogie yeah, yeah. That, that shit was great it still it still that bothers me though. they called yeah. uh they called suplexes suplays like Gordon Soli in the game <laughs> but none of the none of the WWF announcers called them suplays you know so like. It sounded like he was saying toaster souffle whenever Hulkster would do a suplex. Toaster souffle. <laughs> toaster souffle. Toaster souffle. I That's not. I like. I need to go back and hear that again because I. It makes me hungry. Actually, I don't know. I, I love that. You know, but that that makes me think of Jim Ross. Like I don't know about you guys, but I mean, like Jim Ross, he's a great announcer in a way. Like he's a great. He has his own style, you know. Um, 
but uh but if you want if you listen to like a jim ross match everything's modified you know what i mean like if he doesn't know it you can tell if he doesn't know what a name what a move is called which is probably like 80 percent of the moves he doesn't know what they're actually called so it's just like modified body press or like oh modified tackle or like modified backbreaker or like mo modified like that's his excuse to get away with all this shit is it's modified <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's great. He's yeah. The JR move set is like twelve moves, and everything from there is just a modified version of one of those. A modified lariat. There it comes across yeah. the. Well, everything real blue was a sidewalk slam at one point. Oh, so, hey, Tony. Modified. Tony Schiavone is a, one of the premier podcasters of this. One. That dude is. He tells the dirtiest jokes. That guy is fucking hilarious. Really? This podcast is Tony great. Shivani. Didn't he have a mustache at one time, like way back, I think, when he first worked for WWF? Yeah, like SummerSlam 89 Shivani, where like... Uh, it was a scum stash, though. It was one of those... It was yeah, like where Jesse got all cooper. hot at him and started saying, oh, everything's legal outside the ring, huh? Maybe you should get a gun and shoot him while he's out there, huh, Shivani? Oh, <laughs> love it. Jesse Ventura is incredible, man. He's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's kind of, in my opinion still like he's uh, he's not uh, like he's like piper-esque you know what i mean like yeah like in the sense that he's from that generation and that iconic of like a caricature if that makes sense or like a persona yeah um but he's kind of one of the last remaining of that generation if you think about it um jesse ventura and uh mm -hmm. I, I don't really know what he's doing right now but uh but man, he's a badass. I'm always a fan of that. You know, whatever he's doing, I don't he's even know. What living on the side of a mountain now with all his conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. my second favorite conspiracy theorist, Kevin Cross, is now my my number one favorite yeah. conspiracy theorist. Now he's pretty good. Man, I don't, even think, I don't even think they're conspiracies when Kevin says it. When Kevin says it, I'm like, damn, you know what? That's probably true. Mine all still, you know what? the intimidation factor when he talks to you. you just agree. Re with him, rest so in it. peace, Art Bell is all I have to say. Okay, that's oh, yeah, yeah. Bell. Art Bell. Oh yeah. Late night drives, <laughs> coast to coast is the way to go, right? Or, yeah. or kind of like early in the night drives if you're on the West Coast. But Paul, yeah. what's, the, what's the craziest conspiracy theory Cross has ever told you? Where you were just like, "There's no way, man." I don't, you know, like. I don't think I've not be not believed any of them. <laughs> I think uh, we sh when we share them, there's one that we're both very excited about now. That uh, you know, I don't I don't really keep up with a whole lot of popular news or who this person is or who that person is, unless it's something that interests me directly. You know, I don't I don't try and pride myself on knowing 50% of what's going on in the world and then trying to act like I know all of it. Like it's, I'm just not going to bullshit you. I don't, but there is one thing in the news that's really, really fascinating to me. And it's the whole, um, Nexium, Allison Mack thing, you know, like, uh, that Ooh. entire really fascinates me because, you know, obviously we're here in LA, you know yeah. a real quick hop skip and a jump from hollywood and we're all surrounded by these uh former studios or these former this is where a lot of this fucking shit has gone down or continues to go down and uh it's really creepy and then you think about this there was this interview that i guess macaulay calkin did in paris uh, not too long ago where he 
it was a really bizarro interview. Are you guys familiar with this, or am I just talking? Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Allison Mack was the the Smallville girl who got herself into this weird sex cult thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, and so you know, there's obvious ties into Hollywood as far as uh, you know, sex trafficking, human trafficking, but also you know, it seeps into like this PizzaGate thing with uh you know just this 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 hollywood pedophilia thing i'm actually talking lower right now because you never know who might be listening over the brick wall <laughs> totally um, true <laughs> your, your feed cuts out yeah yeah you're the you're the and it's real weird we told people it well, was gonna get weird that's, tonight that's on the show common. the helicopter circling is not unusual for being in the you know in la area or in the valley uh yeah. but uh but yeah the whole the whole the whole pedophilia thing is just uh it's really bothersome but it's just it goes dark it goes deeper than that i feel where you know you start you start delving into black sex magic do you know what i mean and uh i know i know it sounds funny but no uh, i am following you that's the thing but, like i i'm into all of this shit, and i and so of course like i'm following you i hope you're not scaring the other guys too much but i'm on board with what you're saying Byron looks no, it's the, our podcast for weeks now has been very staunchly anti-pedophilia. This is anti -pedo. true, actually. Yeah, we have um, gone on record anti-pedo. So yeah, very anti. Yes, yes, we believe they should be eviscerated. Pedo yes. Pedophiles should be eviscerated. Um, yes. But they, but it goes deeper into um, Jack Parsons. Are you familiar with Jack Parsons? Uh, Shit, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Jack Parsons was uh, he was married to God. What was her name? She was an occultist in like the fifties and sixties. And uh, but, but uh, her name slips me. But um, anyway, Jack Parsons. He's he's he was uh, this student at um, God. What's that school in Lockwood? Oh, uh, Mar Marjorie Cameron. Um, no, maybe no, 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 no. It wasn't it? Might no. I don't think it was her. Um, I want to say like. Marcella or Andalar and dress or something, something like the Lama's like, Oh, like one way, of those. Like, yeah. Like yeah, one of the big names. Yeah. She was a starlet, but she was in some stuff. Um, but anyways, this guy, Jack Parsons, he was, uh, he's who started, uh, jet propulsion laboratories, JPL. Yeah. Um, and so when he was going to school up there, him and his buddies were creating rockets and bombs out of like lawnmowers or something. And they were, the, they were dubbed like the original suicide squad. And this is like in the 50s, I think, or somewhere along those lines. Anyways, it was all in the Pasadena area where there's a lot of old money. And there was a lot of um, people, they were so rich, you know, they delved into like black magic, black sex magic. They had these black sex, sex magic parties, these black sex magic orgies um, where they would have these, you know, these rich orgies with uh people who all believed in like satanism and they would they would you know have these sex offerings to these 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 demon gods i guess you know and stuff like that and there's a there's a part up in la crescenta i want to say it's devil's mountain or devil's mouth it's there's a hiking trail over there but there's a tunnel and the tunnel is the opening to this rock formation that looks like the devil's head <laughs> and uh and apparently it led to the old underground tunnel sewer system in los angeles that's now been closed off um oh it's pretty nuts man i know i'm uh, kind of going way out all over the place but anyways going back to like macaulay culkin he did this interview in paris where he talks about <clears throat> where he was um shooting home alone too and these executives brought him into like a back tent 
and this this powerful suit guy was bragging about his leather shoes and the leather shoes were like a leather that he had never seen before and so this guy was telling him how he was a man now and you need to like give up you know your parents and sign your rights over and you're a man and you got your life and i'll help you and we'll take over hollywood together this guy's like telling this 11 year old mccullough culkin this and he's got these weird leather shoes you know and then he says um something where he basically alludes to the shoes being the skin of heather o'rourke oh guys series and how the 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 belief is that she was being molested and and sexually assaulted for years and there's something that disrupted in her stomach and that's what eventually led to her death um and you know the doctor's kind of buffoonery was to pass it off as like some sort of weird obstruction or something like that it, it's bizarre man like it really roots back to to some weird stuff um i yeah i'm just gonna shut up <laughs> Dude, this no, is amazing our, this our, is our chat room is is going nuts for this they're loving it there no nah, yeah. check this out check this out okay, so my mom my mom used to work at a building that took over an old like huge aircraft casey by the way from the topic to your mom that's a no weird no no way. check this out because he was talking Her about like purse no, i'm just <laughs> 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 the lotion he, was, on skin. he was talking about how like jpl people were into some weird shit well okay there was a they moved on to this facility that was a hughes aircraft facility right and they're cleaning out the old buildings and they found operating tables in one of the old buildings why are there operating tables at a fucking aircraft company exactly exactly well how I else mean, are they going to do the alien autopsies the yeah, guy Jack Parsons, eventually he blew himself up in his own house in a garage experiment where he exploded. But um, he had gone, he had gone, he was friends with L. Ron Hubbard and mm. they went to a party celebrating Alistair Crowley. And Alistair Crowley was there and I think it was in England. And uh, apparently, as the story goes, Alistair Crowley himself went up to jack parsons kind of privately and he said listen um your friend is shady like he's giving off some bad energy like i would be careful with your friend like because i don't know that he's what he says he is you know and he was talking about l ron hubbard um so like that's you know it's just weird man it's a weird fucking twisty turny when alistair crowley says that your friend's shady <laughs> right Fuck. This was before this was before Scientology had developed long before, you know, and so that when he was still just writing science fiction books and stuff like that. So Scientology is another one that really fascinates me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, do you ever just want to join it? <laughs> do you ever just want to join it to find out from the inside, but then you're like afraid that you'll get too sucked into it? That's kind of how I feel. I'm afraid I'll get sucked into it. It's afraid that I can't afford that fucking religion. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> <laughs> no it's 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 crazy it's 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 really bizarre man like i almost i almost i'm i'm so fucked they're probably watching this in the chat room right now uh well psychology almost, if you're there give us a thumbs up <laughs> so come on you're gonna get like weird thumbs ups from like anyways i almost <laughs> I, I almost went pseudo undercover uh in scientology but it fell through at the last minute so oh, yeah. interesting yeah. 
Yeah, well, I well, you know. I mean, I mean background thing. background check and everything. Not that I was wow. joining, but I was hired to do a job for them. Right. And yeah, they have that they, weird they backed out. that that uh, tries to hire people all the time, which mm-hmm. uh, I never know what to make of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a legit job. I mean, it it has to be because it you know it's it goes through the formal processes of being submittable um but they have this compound out in riverside and um oh yeah it's it's a palatial estate that's all i'll say i don't know (laughs) i didn't get the chance to go but it was close it was close (laughs) see we got to get the rabbit tribe as a religion and then you don't have to pay taxes anymore but isn't it i already don't pay them i think there's a lot of people that kind of loosely (laughs) follow that religion already but so, Paul, yeah, let, let, um, oh, you're a Texas guy, right? How, yes, sir. <laughs> so wait, you got it. Got to be Austin, right? You know, it's the, okay. the only city to live in. And no, you can live in San Antonio if you like Mexican food. You can live in Dallas if you like cowboys and stuff. You can live in Houston if you want to jump on the bandwagon of the Rockets. And uh, you can live in Austin if you just want to be yourself and just fucking kick it, you know? Well, I like it. I like Austin because every yeah. time I go there, they take it very seriously with the whole keeping it weird thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like and it's that. not so much that they're stressing, trying to be different. Like, it's not it's not like that, that part of L.A. where you can tell people aren't from here. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. claiming to be from here. I'm certainly not from L.A., but you can tell who's thinking that they have to be weird to be considered la people does that make sense you yeah know, like hollywood like, boulevard like you go there yeah yeah a big example and so it's you know that's entertaining to me on a whole other bit but that's you know everyone has this public persona here and everyone has this private persona but that's life really if you think about it everyone in life has a, a public persona and a private persona but here there are you know everyone's public persona is schizophrenic you know <laughs> it's very true i i'm originally from cleveland and i had the strangest issues when i moved out here because people didn't understand sarcasm hello <laughs> cleveland <laughs> Yeah, I, I found LA to be completely devoid and lacking of of any form of sarcasm, and I just didn't quite know what to do. Everyone's with so guarded, you know. Everyone's like just so guarded here that they everyone they claim to not be on the defense, but they're so on the defense that they're claiming it constantly. You know, like I'm not racist, I'm not homophobic, like I'm not. I'm not mean, like I'm loving, I'm generous, I'm sharing, I'm not, 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 and you know what I mean? They cut you off in their fucking BMW like a douchebag and fucking, yeah. you know, like, oh, God, you know. I just want to see one explosion, one self-contained explosion where nothing gets hurt except the car and the insides. <laughs> Ooh, they have the high speed chases. on the 405's dream. Oh yeah. You watch right. Speed Chases, like you could get like the live feed from the helicopter when they do that. Not That's even pretty rad. on TV. Those That's are pretty, pretty rad. I don't I have uh no, there's like some new cops show or something that's maybe that's what you should I don't know. I stumbled upon some cop show. Oh like, that live one? Space. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. it's like it can't be live. I don't know. It seems weird, you know. Man, Actually, I, I have a funny police story. Sorry, go ahead. You're just oh, no, no, dude. I was just going to say a lot of our listeners tweet about that live cop show constantly. 
and <laughs> dude there's they're nothing i want to hear more than your weird story. story no they're checking on their family or they're looking for their friends or something <laughs> yeah they're just <laughs> making sure everything in most Austin, of our listeners there's there's this there's this like periodical in uh texas i guess definitely in austin i don't know if it goes throughout but uh i think they have it in north carolina it's probably throughout a lot of states but uh it's like the latest people to get booked and they show all their mug shots in this uh little like five little page pamphlet that comes out weekly and it just shows you like the latest criminals in the area in this little pamphlet <laughs> like a little brochure or like a program when you go to like a wrestling show <laughs> like oh. these are the these are the current participants in your area <laughs> dude how dope would it be if byron could get us one because he's in florida he gets all the weird shit, man probably like, could. Oh my God. Probably, yeah there's probably it, they're usually at the at the gas station like where the lighters are and stuff like that you know the masa pond um <laughs> so uh but uh Man, I was talking. Oh yeah, so this cop, I was uh, <laughs> driving down in Hollywood, and I come up to the light, and I'm driving west on Sunset and Vine, and I'm at the light, and uh, this police officer's the car next to me, and I kind of wave him down, and uh, I say, "Excuse me, is it is it real that I could do a ride along with you?" And I was, I'm dead serious, you know. I'm not like trying to be snot, or I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Oh, is that real? Um, but you know, so I asked. I was like, you know, is that a real thing? You know, like, and he goes, what? Like he didn't. He was like, yeah, like a ride along. Like you know, like you see, like ride along. I said, and then this is where I became a douche, and I was like, uh, I'm an actor, and you know, I heard you could do that kind of thing, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> And I was like, you know, and I just, I would hate to misrepresent you someday. And, when, <laughs> and, like, and he goes, and, he, and he, he totally, I mean, he understood. And he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, go down to the Hollywood station. You, like, fill out a form and all this stuff. And, you know, they probably arrest you. <laughs> just turn yourself in. And then we'll take you on a ride-along. Yeah, the ride-along is called We Arrest You. And... Uh, but anyway, you can't fly out of the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'll be like John Holmes, and I'll be joining you in Florida. Um, Can I yeah, tell you my yeah. favorite John Holmes story? Casey and I, our high school, we had like a, we had TVs in every classroom, and <laughs> video announcement, and some of us knew, most of us didn't know. Casey and I knew who it was, and so someone was doing the morning announcement on camera, and in the background, there's a computer screen where they would put something a different thing every day <laughs> like go vikings or something yeah yeah sure, that was like, one day it was like who is john holmes because the guy didn't know and they said put it on the screen someone will tell you awesome yeah yeah did he go to your i don't think john holmes graduated high school wait maybe he, he did not go to our high school our high school was brand new he didn't go to our high school you know who went to our high school was like that dude from twilight uh jacob he went to our high school yeah yeah that, a few people oh. Yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah, me and Byron went to school with Walter from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. That's a dope movie. Yeah. 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 He's still alive. It's the youngest brother in that that's dead. Oh, no, the oldest brother. He's the youngest brother that went to school with us. And uh, the kid that's in the leprechaun. Wait, is that the same? No, no, no. That's a different kid from. Oh, no, no. He is in Mom's. Wait, the Babysitter's Dead one, right? That one, Don't Tell Mom the. Well, no, the young, the middle-aged kid is the dead one. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, right. the, the Hesher brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Hetcher, yeah, I yeah. Think. The dude that looked, the dude that looked like I used to look in high school, basically. Like Modely looking kid, right? Uh, yeah, like You're he looked kind of like he had Byron guy. hair. You know, he had Byron hair. He had like That's the Iron Stoner guy. No, that guy's still alive. Wait, there was another brother. Yeah, like the younger, like like Brad Pitty looking kind of. Oh, oh. God, I gotta see yeah. that movie. Because, you know, yeah, Criterion, Criterion Slippin' hasn't put that shit out on Blu-ray. <laughs> no, just one of the guys. No Encino Man? Come the fuck on. Cinematic masterpiece. They I did recently... Uh, oh, go ahead, please. Uh, I was going to say I, they filmed part of Biodome at our high school. They did. Biodome is cool. Yeah, that was one of the great I don't mind it. It's yeah. one of my favorite Pauly Shore movies next to Encino Man. Those are the only yes. two. Encino like, Man is a like cinematic masterpiece. Wait, Casey, so. did you say that there's no Criterion version of just one of the guys? There's not even a Blu-ray version, period, sir. I've oh, looked. Ooh. And the DVD's going for like $150 now. I would, just I would one pay of the it. guys is awesome, dude. I grew up on that movie. That's one of my all-time favorites. It was the one that was like, all, like if you had HBO in the late 90s, you came home from school, that shit was on every day. Like, yeah, that was that cool too, man. It was awesome. Uh, it wasn't exactly HBO. I think it was more Skinamax. I used to say that all the time, man. I used to say that line all the time. I'd look down my deck and be like, sorry, Spike. <laughs> no, or then, and then there's that other one when like you know you're scratching your balls or something and someone find that catch you and you're like all oh, balls itch it's a fact <laughs> all balls itch that was a line and just see, one of the guys see hey paul you just gave us legit. Peak, uh you just gave what was us the other one william zabka he's like this is the pussy toss and he throws him into the thing he's like oh watch the prickers and he like pricks his finger Sorry, yeah, it's like right. pussy toss for distance Whoa. Yeah, and they do the the table lift, you know, and all the lunches. You know who else is a big <laughs> fan of that movie is the Blue Meanie. So if you ever work a show with him, you have to talk to him about just one of the guys. Oh, I certainly will. I knew there was a reason why I liked Meanie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Meanie's a good dude, man. I like I like Brian a lot. So, Paul, how did you get started doing this whole wrestling thing? Uh, let's cover um, a little bit of your backstory for people who don't know. I lied a lot. <laughs> I was a, I like I was a horrible lying little shit. <laughs> um, I was so upset. First of all, getting into wrestling is much different now than it was, you know, in like 1996 through maybe till, you know, 10 years ago. It was still really difficult to get into wrestling. You had to like know somebody or be family members with somebody or like have some in somehow, you know. Now you have so many like Mick schools, you know, like Mick wrestling schools um, that it's 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 absurd. Anyways, so my my wrestling training kind of I attempted to start it at 16 by going to uh, exotic Adrian Street's training school in pensacola and it was oh yeah it it was a whole it was a disaster (laughs) it was a little disaster yeah like he took my money and he used it on eye surgery and he like didn't show me anything like his pamphlet was like littered with lies and it was just a real it was a real experience a real eye-opener um but that sucks uh, dude no yeah i mean it, it, it it's funny in retrospect um but there was a lot of good that came out of that like what it was in short was you know 
what happened was I was uh, uh, the reason I brought up if you're getting into wrestling, this is why is because to really make it, if you even consider that something now, because there's so many avenues where you can do that, whatever that means, um, you really have to like anything, in my opinion, you have to develop an upset. Like you're, you have to either know that you're obsessed with it or if you're not obsessed with it, then that that to me is kind of a red flag because to really like get after something and go after it fully like you, you're just obsessed with it you know what i mean and it's not that you think like i have to get obsessed with it because then you're putting it on it's not naturally something that's just pouring out of you but if it's what you constantly cannot stop thinking about non-stop every single every single thing you do everything revolves it turns into some sort of wrestling thought or idea or reference or this or this or that then you owe it to yourself to uh to to find a reputable trainer you know um that wasn't so easy to do back in the day and when i when we had these things called magazines um that are made out of paper that comes from trees uh we uh i ordered this thing it was like how to be a pro wrestler and it was like 15 bucks and I had all these wrestling schools at the back of it and i wrote letters to all of them there was like 20 of them i wrote letters to and like three of them replied back and his was the cheapest i mean that's kind of what it was it was like 1500 dollars, and i ended up in pensacola florida with like three other dudes one of them who went on to become shockwave the robot um oh dude yeah and uh and uh so we kind of filmed a video where we exposed the wrestling school you know by showing the brochure and it was like you're gonna have like state-of-the-art like tv facilities studios with editing suites and stuff i'm not kidding you it was like olympic pool and like two state-of-the-art rings like olympic uh weight room kind of thing and it was like this fucking like flea bag duplex with like roach bombs all over the place like the the editing the editing system was like a, v, a VHS camcorder with like uh, the the coaxial cables and like tinfoil around the t- antennas on a TV and like that was the editing suite and like the ring was like a ring frame like rusted in the background. Uh, the gym, all the weights were all rusted. They had like barnacle on them. It was just it was it was a total man. It was a total work. Uh, like you know, it was it was a real experience. And I think the reason that my obsession. And hunger grew is because when i was ready to take off and sitting here thinking like okay i've got my money i'm here this guy's told me he's going to do this and this and this for me and then for none of that to happen it could have easily just you know at 16 thought like you know fuck this shit. this is this is all mm-hmm. full of white trash fucking bullshitters like fuck this but it made me hungrier you know and it pissed me off and the thing was the benefit out of that was that me and these guys got frustrated Cause we were basically trying to teach ourselves, you know, like this guy wasn't showing up. He was just coming and showing up like to, sh- to try and sell us paintings of like half naked native Americans with like wolves hiding their dicks and stuff. And like w- weird shit. Yeah. I'm like, aren't you supposed to like do some wrestling moves? He's like trying to sh- shill off these shitty paintings of his. And, um, so we eventually just got in the car and drove to, uh, mobile alabama and i met stevie richards at an indie show there and i met sensational sherry and they offered me a lot of advice it was really cool but years years later i ended up showing stevie richards this photo of us and he was just like it blows his mind whenever i bring it up to him it's really pretty cool um but uh but anyways i just kept having all these misses man you know like i missed that was a fucking dead end and then 
um i came back to austin and like this nobody guy wanted to train me for like three grand and like that was a dead end uh the thing that i really learned in this book that i bought for 15 bucks that i still have somewhere in my parents attic uh was if they couldn't make a name out of them for themselves like what do you expect them to do with you you know like if they couldn't make a star out of themselves what do you really think they're going to do with you you know if they couldn't connect fucking dots what makes you think they're going to lead you to the promised land you know and there's some truth in that whereas i think you can get some guys who are exceptional talents naturally exceptional athletes naturally and they know that there's more to learn there's always more to learn and and they don't fall into this weird kind of scam of oh well this is my trainer and when he says it's ready for me to have a match then i'll be ready and like three years later you know they're still paying a couple hundred a month or something to some jackass no-name plumber guy um and uh and it sucks you know like you anyways i could go on and on and on forever well, but didn't, about you, didn't you also get some some time in with dory funk <laughs> absolutely but that was down the road because like what happened at 16 I had this fucking Adrian exotic Adrian experience, which is just ridiculous. Uh, and then fast forward to 1998, uh, 99, I ended up going to school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I spoke to Shane Douglas on the phone and I was all set to go to the house of hardcore two, which was him and Dominic DiNucci were opening up the school to be a continuation of ECW's training facilities because the first one was run by Taz and Johnny Rods in New York City uh, in the Red Hook district, brother. And um, and uh, and so then in Pittsburgh, it was going to be uh, Dominic DiNucci who broke in Shane Douglas, Brian Hildebrand, who was an incredible referee in WCW, the guns uh, and uh, and Mick Foley and a bunch of other guys. But those are the standouts, you know, that come to mind right now. So anyways, um, I get accepted to this school, Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. And mind you, I, I, every college that I applied to out of high school was not in Texas. I was dead set on getting out of Texas, um, which didn't have a wrestling scene at the time. And every school I applied to, I made sure there was a wrestling school nearby it. So that was my plan. So I'm already lying to my dad right there. Like, no, I'm really interested, you know, in like, uh, <laughs> Roanoke college. <laughs> well, like, no, I'm really interested in Santa Clara university. Like, no, I really want to go to Reed college in Portland. And I mean, I picked really good schools. And the thing was out of all the schools that I applied to, I think I applied to 12 or 14 or 16 schools one of those three numbers sounds accurate but um i got into all of them i had my choice of every school i applied to so um there was a time when i was smart um and uh i ended up going to pittsburgh because shane douglas called me and left me this voicemail on my answering machine back when there were these things called answering machines which connected to these other things called landlines and um that was when someone would call a phone that was connected to the ground and you couldn't travel with it and you couldn't take pictures with it either or you couldn't you couldn't discriminate the human race with these phones either unless you were teenagers then you would discriminate your brother's or your sister's existence because you were on a phone call um but either way uh we had these things called answering machines and i remember shane douglas left this answering it's this answer this this message that's what it, that's what it was on my machine he was like hello paul this is troy martin you know and, and he, it was like it was real and i felt like holy fuck like he left his real name <laughs> and uh like the tape was new but i like took it out anyways and like saved it i think um until my brother recorded 
you know, some ska shit over it. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> so anyways, I ended up going to Pittsburgh. I enrolled to this school and in the process of finishing high school and getting there, uh, right before I was going to get there, Shen Douglas tore his bicep. He had, I think started in WCW. There was some, th- some, some match where he had barbed wire and he tore his bicep. And so all the training was like off. They canceled it. <laughs> and I ended up in Pittsburgh going to Duquesne University with like nothing to do, you know, except go. And that was in 98, right? Because I think I 90, saw him. 99. 99. I think I saw him in ECW in Florida for the second or third pay per view or whatever. And he still was taped up when he was well, fighting he, Taz. He tore, he, tore, he tore it tr- quite a bit, but I think he tore it two or three times. This would have been in like 99 because I graduated high school in 99 uh, at the ripe age of 19. Now, a little bit of idiot trivia for you right there. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said you were smart back then. I, well, I was so smart with the other bad kids uh, in kindergarten <laughs> that we convinced the teachers to make a grade to slow us down. So they made up. I'm not kidding you. It's like these teachers were part of like the secret service or something. And they were like spotting out like who they perceived to be like a future bad kid. And so they made up this grade called pre first. It's between first grade and kindergarten, or I should say between kindergarten and first grade where you go to a, it's a grade called pre first, right? What the fuck is that? Um, just say kindergarten plus. And, um, so, uh, yeah, that was like all the bad kids. It was just like all, all my friends. And so we all end up kind of graduating at like 19 or so. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Everyone's like graduating at like 17. Like, what, were you held back two years? Like, no, I just went through puberty fast. <laughs> so you're, you're at Duquesne. The House of Hardcore yeah. thing is falling through. So then what I do you do? You just stayed in Pittsburgh? List. I made the Dean's List. What were you um, studying? Hell yeah. Congrats, sir. Communications and theater, you know. Communications is such a bullshit general yeah. that you get into at the beginning. You're like, well, I'll just start off with kind of these basic core curriculum classes and then I'll filter it down. But like, I didn't really get that far until I, I, I ended up transferring. So what happened was I was in Pittsburgh with nothing to do but, you know, um, enjoy myself. <laughs> and I ended up finding like some independent shows in the area that I would take like a, a bus like an hour away to some village around it and then back and you know i'd be like the only person in there like really like hyper examining like every match everything like, so just an idiot mark you know and um but i you know i was really depressed you know i was really depressed because that was the real main reason i went there and don't get me wrong like i love pittsburgh it's one of my absolute favorite cities i consider it a second home and um it's also has the most bridges of any city in the u.s if you didn't know that and uh yeah pittsburgh's amazing it's beautiful and the thing was my brother went to college in philadelphia at penn and so he's a lot smarter than i am and uh, but i got the street smart um so he uh i remember visiting uh Pittsburgh after Philadelphia and it was like going from gray and black and drizzle to like sunshine and trees. Once you drive through, through that Fort Pitt tunnel, it just opens up and you see like, you know, the three points, whatever. And uh, it's beautiful. Pittsburgh's a beautiful city. So is Philadelphia. But I question the brotherly love. 
<laughs> well, there's a bit of a, a rivalry between the two cities. I'm, I'm more of a Philly guy myself. I've only heard bad things about Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, no, hey, I mean, yeah. I'm from Cleveland, yeah. so you know what I think. I mean, I can't. it sucks because oh, we yeah. one of our co-hosts is a Philly guy, but he's actually at the last PWG show in Reseda tonight. Uh, uh, that's a little yeah. promotion. Yeah, you know something tonight. about? I was gonna pop over there, but I have uh, I have so much laundry. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, who else is from Cleveland? As we tie this in, Who's John that? Holmes. Holmes is from Cleveland, Whoa. eh? Oh, bringing God, it around. He's from Cleveland. I don't know. My Wi-Fi doesn't reach out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's from Cleveland. I'm a huge. I'm a big John Holmes mark myself. So, well, actually, I, every time I drive through Lowell Canyon, I'm like, should I take Wonderland? <laughs> <laughs> I used to go over that way quite a bit. Uh, it's yeah. pretty awesome because if you think about it, I mean, I've mapped out and been to where the Eddie Nash house is, where they um, based the Alfred Molina character in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Um, that whole thing, like that Eddie Nash house, it's like in, you know, on the backside of the hills and like the richer part of Studio City. And uh, it, it's literally less than three miles, maybe less than, it's definitely less than five miles apart from like the Wonderland house to the Eddie Nash house. It's like, let's go to this house five miles away. Yeah, like, I don't even think they're that far. I don't even think they're that far apart. I think all that not, stuff not is- Not even, that's what I'm saying. It's it's less than five miles apart, but it's just, it's fucking, it's crazy. Actually, you want to talk about conspiracy theories, guys. Um, do you, have you heard the rumor about who the driver was for the Wonderland gang? No. What is this rumor? Uh, was it you? <laughs> it wasn't you. Um, I believe if, if memory, uh, I want to say either Vern Langdon or, um, no, who's the Wait. one that's related to Ronda Rousey? Fucking the Vern old, Langdon that ran the, the Slammers shooter. wrestling gym. No, there's an old shooter. There was an old shooter, an old wrestler. Gene LaBelle? Gene LaBelle. Gene LaBelle was the around. driver. I swear to God, I can't tell you. Oh, I I could tell you where I heard that, but I told him I wouldn't say. It he, <laughs> he's he's up there in age, and his stories are fascinating. Uh, someone I'm working with right now on something I can't talk about, but um, that's the KFA bit right now. That oh, yeah, Gene Lavelle was the driver for the Wonderland Gang. So holy <laughs> shit, incredible. pretty crazy, huh? Because he was dude. like one of their muscle friends and stuff like that, but apparently he went, da, 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 dropped him off, but like he never, you know, he's Gene LaBelle, he's not going to hang out there all the time. <laughs> Busy choking out Steven Seagal years later and shit. Oh, right, yeah. making him shit his pants. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, so, Seagal, trippy, Seagal man. story. Um, yeah, but, but, but just kind of going back to the wrestling thing, like I hit yeah. a lot of dead ends, man. I hit a lot of dead ends. I ended up transferring to the University of Memphis. Cause I thought wrestlers grew off of trees. Like that was another dead end where like a guy wanted to train me for like $3,000 in a in trailer Memphis? park. Like, yeah, well, yeah, well I went to the university of Memphis where I was actually a minority. Um, so that was a real learning experience for me as well. Um, a little funny bit was, uh, when I was transferring to Memphis, I got the, your roommate will be this, this, you know, this guy, you know, if you want to contact him. And, um, I looked at my roommate notice and his name was Detron. 
and i had never seen yeah i'd never seen that name before but like i'm not gonna lie there was a split second where i was hoping my roommate was a transformer (laughs) 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 let's go play basketball um but uh yeah i went to memphis and uh i didn't go to a lot of classes um because i was memphis is near you ever see memphis there's a lot of little shopping centers and stuff around there one of them at the time was like the highest crime rated like homicidal shopping center in the u.s or something when i was going to college there so um i went there quite a bit uh and uh i got kind of just into this funk you know like i was like fuck like memphis was really dry at the time this was before memphis championship wrestling but this was after power pro wrestling had closed down so it was kind of in a real limbo period. Yeah, you, and, hit, you hit it at the exact wrong time because wrestling kind of did grow yeah. on trees there at different points in time, just not yeah. then. <laughs> not then, not in nineteen, not in late uh, 1999. And so uh, I ended up just leaving and getting on a Greyhound and you know, dropped out of college uh, and left. And 12 hours later, I was back in Austin off of like a bus where I just inhaled nothing but farts and all this sweat and all this garbage and uh but it was good it was you know it was like a humbling thing just to like feel really stripped of what you thought you were going to do and really um really brought down back to like square one you know and uh so but but oddly enough what happened was when i got home to austin you know my dad he was very he's very loving uh you know, very fortunate, I have very loving parents, you know, they divorced when I was eight because they didn't love each other, but they're very loving towards us. But, uh, but he, you know, he's like, just take whatever time, you know, then, you know, get a job and, you know, get the fuck out. No, he didn't. But he's like, you know, get a job and we'll, we'll get you back on your feet and get you back in school locally or something. And, uh, I was like, yeah, okay. I just want to kill myself. Um, and, uh, but then like literally the next day, uh, my a friend of mine, who's a comedian here in uh, LA, actually, we go way back, but he, he called me, he was like, turn on the news. And I turned on the news and Ivan Putsky had opened a wrestling school just in like North Austin, not far from me. So I went and that's who first really broke me in was uh, Polish power, Ivan Putsky. And then his wow. son, Scott Putsky would come down and like teach me how to dress like a pirate. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, Scott was cool. Scott Putsky taught me how to, Scott Putsky is probably responsible for um, maybe half of my career being as long as it has been um because i was a pretty reckless person earlier on but the thing was scott actually taught me how to save my back on taking turnbuckles and i love taking turnbuckles like you just kill yourself on them um because you can literally get the sound on it and make it seem like the ring moved you know that's what they always say the ring moved a couple inches like because i can't think of anything fucking original to say that's what everyone says um but uh but scott putsky taught me how to hit the turnbuckles in a way that will save your back i'm not going to say what it is but um <laughs> yeah you gotta keep I, some trade secrets i keep them all but i credit him to allowing me to have as long as the careers i have had without any serious sustainable like back injuries um even though i've always had sciatica problems since i wrestled in high school uh like usually up a weight class from what i really was weighing but um you know but it had to go pretty good because it wasn't very long after that before you were appearing in tna right no uh your calendar is a little off um 
No, Putski broke me in. I started in Austin. Uh, I started doing a lot of kind of indies, whatever I could do in Texas. There's a match somewhere with Lance uh, Hoyt and I. Mm. Um, what did he go by Lance Hoyt right now in New Japan? Uh, Lance Archer. Lance Archer. Lance Archer. Weird. He's a Let's combine real name and stupid WWE name. Perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, genius. Oh, thank you. Good as I. And uh, so he. Uh, there's a match of somewhere with he and I wrestling outside of like one of the state penitentiaries. Like yeah, they put up a ring, like literally with the, the jail, like the big state jail, like in the background. That's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and he he fucked me up bad with the razor's edge. Uh, he razor his edge to me basically like he just stepped like a foot out from the corner and sent me and like I landed in the far other corner. I don't know how I fucking didn't die, but I had the worst bursa sack injury on my lower back. It was basically the size of half a volleyball. If you cut a volleyball in half and put that on your lower back filled with fluid, seminal fluid, I was <laughs> fucked. I couldn't sleep on my back. Like I was so fucked. And the reason I mentioned that is because Rudy Boy Gonzalez, who I had then started working with and under and taking his guidance, because, you know, let's not make any bones about it. He was the head trainer at Shawn Michaels Wrestling School. Shawn had screws and all this hardware on his back, and he would get in the ring and he would do all the technique and all this philosophy and all that stuff. But when it came time to like doing the, okay, let's see it, guys, it was always Rudy, you know, doing all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, I was doing the poor man's Shawn Michaels wrestling school by going <laughs> by learning through Rudy because I couldn't afford $3,900, you know, $3,900 is a lot of fucking money. Uh, That's still a lot of money. It's yeah. still a lot, you know. So, uh, so I was, I was, you know, working uh, under Rudy's guidance. Um, and he, he said, hey, uh, you know, Spanky's available. He just got released and this and this and this. Let's have you have a match with him. And I unfortunately wasn't able to do the match because I was just, I was incapacitated. And uh, so I sent this buddy of mine and he just fucked him up. Brian fucked him up so bad. It was so funny because my friend, my friend's terrible. Uh, and uh, he was never really in shape or anything. And so you just like, and Brian has such a short fuse, like the shortest fuse of anyone I've ever known and like a horrible temper and he'll probably kill me for saying this if i ever talk to him again um where he said you know when he was in wwe uh or wf memphis territory he had um the 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 fed or whatever ordered him to go to anger management or they're going to fire him um oh, shit. so he had yeah he had like company ordered anger management that he had to like go to when he was in memphis because him and reckless would play these big ribs on each other and sometimes it would get like really out of hand uh reckless youth he was awesome um yeah. so anyways brian was released from memphis they did a whole lot of cuts in memphis and brian like kind of gravitated he went like here and there and he swung back down down to texas but anyways we never had that match but fast forward to like now nah, 2011 uh no i'm sorry 2001 um because that's when brian and i really officially met and hit it off was in california for uh rick bassman in 2001 this is when 9 11 went down uh I showed him the videotape and I was like, hey, you know what? I think you know a friend of mine. Let me show you. We we must have watched this match like over and over and over again. Laughing your asses off. Like he literally kills this guy. Um, there's this one spot where he does a he I guess Brian calls an up and over. And um the guy stops. I won't say his name, just don't want to embarrass him, but the guy stops and starts trying to climb the ropes like one rope at a time. And Brian's like sitting there waiting, like, what the fuck is this? You know? And he just literally crawls under the dude picks them up in like chicken like cockfighting style you know where the guy's 
his legs are draped here and here and he's sitting on brian's shoulders and brian grabs his wrists right so he's not like trying to balance himself he can't his wrists are now down and he drops them throat first across the top rope and he goes like he looked like gumby like imagine a fat guy looking like gumby and he like he bent and his his head was like first rope second rope third rope floor and like, dude we laughed so hard it's like what a dick move right to laugh at your friend nearly dead um but he and i laughed about it too actually um <laughs> uh, but either way i don't know how i go on subject but uh but he's, he's just you know like he, no two journeys are the same you know and you can't you, you can admire people and you can admire their journey and you know as i was coming up i really i read about guys living in their cars and stuff like that and i've never been above that you know and, and i've done that um and uh but it, 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 there's just no end to your journey if, if it's really worth it to you and if you're really obsessed with it you know and and you know people make excuses for stuff all the time but it's like well what's it worth it to you i mean really what's it worth it to you even now when i go to shows guys are constantly like what do i need to do man what do i need to do like i'm frustrated here it's like well then fucking move move like change yeah, but it there up, had you know? there had to be times where you yeah. felt like the journey was was coming to an end for for you as well i mean you've had ups and downs right I that every day <laughs> no yeah no. well you have you're in a sling um didn't you um break your collarbone right before wrestlemania uh no sort of yes uh it was not on april fools i was in england this is like a week or two after lucha wrapped uh season four i went to england and on my very first night i separated my shoulder uh it was diagnosed in the uk as a fractured clavicle but they didn't show me any x-rays and there was a real there was a weird ordeal with the the a and e there in england so i don't think i've forgotten about you bastards um so um anyways i hopped a flight back to to la as fast as i could so i could use my my trusty medical <laughs> and um and here i am still in a sling like two months later uh but it's a high, yeah real high grade separation and uh i actually oh, wow. start physical rehab uh on thursday i start physio on thursday so no surgery um as of now not yet uh even an injection some steroid injections were referred they were like we could do that before surgery i was like no we're gonna do any of that shit i'm gonna do the physio we're gonna be good to go and that's that um so surgeries on my shoulder it's a long road back yeah i mean bust out the 80s inspiration music you know because it's like montage after montage of just training all of byron's are from jerking it too hard though it it wasn't like a cool wrestling injury no i'm right it was a hockey injury Um, both times um but you mentioned earlier uh a car and end of the road and um i'd be remiss if i didn't if i using the word right if i didn't bring up one of my favorite memories of you in wwe where um my lighting guys walking uh, where uh vince was uh walking to his car to meet his <laughs> end of the road and my favorite part, I wish that was real <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was was everyone's so concerned and like everyone's trying to cry their oscar moment and worst acting smile. uh it's so bad it's the worst yeah that's my favorite part too every time someone brings that up i'm like you should see all the other faces like that shit is hilarious 
Dude, my favorite one. Okay, I never, I never knew if this was like something that actually happened or not. When you, when you and Kendrick had the mask with the long ass nose. Yeah. And then, all right. So you run into the ring, and then uh, Ashley pulls them off your faces, and I could see you visibly say on camera, "Ow, my nose." And I didn't know if you were selling the mask or if she really grabbed your nose. I was just fucking with her. <laughs> yeah. No, I would. Yeah, I would just. I would do that from time to time because she was so. Like she's a sweetheart. She was so. Uh, just so paranoid all the time because I think she felt deep down that she knew she was kind of an outsider. You know, um, not not that not. And I only mean that in the sense of like, look, like you're here because you know you're hot and you won a contest um and right, you right. Playboy, yeah. you know? um and she was but a sweetheart was- like she was a great girl but like yeah she was just so paranoid so it was easy to fuck with her you know because like that's anytime no but that's you know when you like when you when you're friends and when you like people like that's usually the easiest way to break the ice you know i would think you know it's no different than on a film set or something you know you might have yeah. veteran actors you know pull ribs or whatever just to like like hey you know just because when you're at ease you can obviously do your best work and so uh if you're all paranoid and stuff like that then you're you're locked up you know so i'd always try and just throw a joke or something okay so you're talking about paranoia and that brings me to the question that several people have asked me to ask you specifically about the rabbit tribe okay if if the rabbit tribe were being influenced by something would that something be LSD, ecstasy, or weed? No one can figure out mm. what exactly is the influence behind the rabbit tribe. Opium? I'm nobody said psilocybin. <laughs> that too. DMT. Psilocybin. See, I've said DMT on the show, but I've also said it's fairy magic from the like mystical realm. You know, I just think it's enthusiastic. I mean, that's all atmosphere stuff, you know, like that fairy magic stuff. Which is, that's all Twilight stuff, man. You know, like this is uh, this is going back to black sex magic. You know, like that's really where this is all going, and uh, this is really where it all emanates from. Really, if you think about it, because you know, rabbits like to copulate a, a lot. lot, and um, a lot. You know, it's a real. Uh, that's a real carnal connection. Is that know, why you sex. wear a cod piece to kind of put a layer of protection between you and the audience and your opponent? Well, that that's a that's, that's a superb observation, and you're right. Uh, you don't want to put anyone's that's, eye that's out a, in the audience, right? Like, you know. Well, the, the yeah, the thing is, I'm gonna try and get a little bit better. Right? Yeah. Um, so what's up with the carrot? Is that a metaphor? <laughs> well. Uh, there, there are definitely metaphors in it. I'm actually a huge, uh, lone wolf and cub fan. And, uh, so there's uh, some, you can use carrots as a weapon, you know, if you keep some shanks in them. Um, but, it, but I think why wouldn't a carrot be a knife to someone in our tribe? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. in our tribe, you can pretty much use anything as a weapon. Do you know what I mean? But, but if you can avoid violence, uh, then you know it's better to to fuck and then kill them now that gives me that gives me a a good follow-up question here that is have you ever considered getting yourself one of those blackie lawless from wasp buzzsaw codpiece deals that just had the blade because uh they're dangerous i I like the idea i can't say i know exactly the reference but i 
I, I see the thing was early on, um, we had an idea for what we thought the rabbit tribe might be. And, and I think I may have seen that dark at the tastings yeah, before. Yeah. Uh, we were, let's just say it was, we read the part wrong. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I think I was watching too much, uh, you know, I was playing with my battle beasts too much, <laughs> watching, watching too much warriors of virtue. <laughs> and, uh, I, I got so, like, uh, I got a Kung Fu vibe off of it, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I was taking a lot of Kung Fu at the time. I was in, I was doing a lot of Wing Chun and I just thought, you know, like, I want to really like do a character that's got like a lot of defense or something. It's just, I don't know. It, some stuff works, some stuff doesn't, but nonetheless, nonetheless they, you know, DJ, um, he buzzed me and he's like, that's ah, not really what we thought. We were thinking kind of more Alice in Wonderland. And the second he said Alice, like, I just, like, everything started like, oh, thank you. Like, that's the, that was the one little note I needed um, because my head just wasn't there at the time. My head was so engulfed in my training <laughs> that that's where my head was, was like, be this, you know, do these cool Batman moves and stuff. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, once he said the Alice Wonderland part, so my response was um i sent him like 10 pages of attachments of just cod pieces yes, <laughs> yes. and i oh said this God. is a must and he said i love it um so then uh i went through a few a few ideas and this and this and this but then it kind of just materialized into what it is but but yeah the cod piece is a religion not a religion it's a it's a you know it's um it's a symbol of uh kind of nobility um also you know like back especially like in the renaissance period um a lot of knights and princes would wear um and kings even to a degree would wear cod pieces because it was a real symbol of nobility um and so there is a lot of nobility steeped through in the, the rabbit tribe um especially as I can't say the layers to the carrot because that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it does. As the layers of the carrot get peeled off, you will see deeper and deeper that life is just full of metaphors and vegetables and weapons and fucking and death. Well, you, well we were talking about um, surrealism. We we're passing a couple of videos yes. back and forth. Is that is that a, a theme that you enjoy when you're storytelling? I mean, I assume there's Absolutely. a lot. Of, of yeah absolutely on this yes yes we need to have surrealism to kind of refocus the world that we live in um you know it, it, when you think you have everything figured out all the time like this is so boring you know it's so boring it's so routine everything becomes so mundane but when you're kind of steeped in inquiry you're just kind of wondering and you're you're questioning everything i'm not saying in like a cynical way but when you're just really trying to literally peel the, the, the layers off yourself um why not why not i mean you can really there, there's no better inventory than self-inventory do you know what i mean and mm -hmm. to explore surrealism which for us really mostly only comes in dreams um I'm not saying it's vital, but it's definitely something that could be uh, useful and healthy. Um, but it, it tends to gravitate more towards, I think, the arts just because you don't always have to explain them and they can impact people differently. 
and they can have a meaning to you that's a different meaning to someone else and vice versa and i think that's that's honestly what makes it so beautiful is that surrealism has no end to it and there's no start and there's no finish and so yeah it's kind of like visually listening to a song that never ends Speaking of no start and no finish, um, we got a little tour backstage earlier in the taping yeah. party. They, they did. I had yeah. school stuff. Well, we got oh. to see. Well, but you've seen the set now. But we got to see that that set that's in the trailer, um, yeah. which I don't know what kind of Escher on crack thing is going on there. It's <laughs> insane. Um, and you know, we didn't yeah. take any pictures or anything because we didn't want to spoil it. No, I didn't know it was going to be in the trailer, but holy crap, did you lose your mind when you saw that set? <laughs> it was like, already lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was flattered, to be honest. With you. That's what my initial and my initial feeling was that I was flattered. I thought, holy shit, like they've invested, um, they've invested in this. And I was just coming off of a, uh, a little tour of Peru where I had damaged my neck really bad. Like I had an MRI on Valentine's day, you know, and we're starting Lucha like a week and a half later and I jacked my neck up really bad. I had MRI in uh, Lima <laughs> and got all sorts of terrible fucking drugs there that I never took because they gave me these giant syringes, like five of them with like rhino needles on them. And some drugs that were like banned from the US since like 2005. And uh, it was funny because Brian Cage was on the same show with me. And he was like, dude, I wouldn't even take those. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even use like, those are big fucking needles. I'm like, if that's coming from this dude, like I'm like, tossing these. And I, you know, but the thing was they gave me these needles, you know, they were like, here, here are your uh, here are your painkillers, you know, like take this to the pharmacy and here are your drugs. And uh so the buddy who's helping me, he brings me back this stuff. And like, there's no instructions. There's nothing. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking like, is it commonplace in Peru for you to just like inject yourself? Like, oh, okay, no problem. Like, nah, I think this goes in my dick. <laughs> like, what are you, you know, like, no instructions, like nothing. Like not even how to like pull, like you shouldn't have air in there, like nothing. Like, So I tossed this shit at the airport, you know, I threw it away and I came back and uh, I had seen, uh, I hadn't seen anything, but they, you know, they were basically, you know, they wanted to know how I was doing. And I said, I was fucked up. And they said, you know, well, we have, you guys are doing stuff, you know, you know that. And it's like, yes. Um, I, hate that. To I hate to interrupt, but I have a question from the chat room. Yeah. Um, this guy by the name of Killer Cross said, little orange midgets with jetpacks. That's right, man. Only in the Philippines. Only in the Philippines. Oh, dude, are we, are we, are we oh. God, what's his name? Fucking homeboy from the movies. I, I know you're he's awesome. Yeah, <sighs> you know what I'm talking about. When you can get a jetpack and your skin color is orange, you've made it. You've is made it. it. Is it Tuck Tuck or something like that? It's something like that. I'll try and send you the link. And yeah, it's there's also an amazing jetpack scene in um, this Jim Kelly film. God, what's it called? Like, I wanted to I wanted to discuss Jim Kelly with you. Oh, this is, he's amazing. Yeah, dude, if you can get your hands on Black Samurai, there's an amazing jetpack scene in that. Because in one, one of my there's midgets with 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 midgets. Yeah, midgets. There's different. That's separate. But like jetpacks take him to the island where he fights midgets with whips. 
I definitely need to see this movie because in my favorite wrestling promo of all time, the hybrid dolphins promo. Oh man. um, That's yeah. (laughs) You're wearing a black belt Jones shirt, man. Yeah. From the Alamo draft house. Um, I'm a huge black belt Jones fan. I'm a huge Jim Kelly fan. I had the chance to meet him at, I think like a Sandy or a long beach comic con or something like a few years, like actually a couple years before he passed away. And, uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. Something about, I really like black exploitation cinema. Um, there's something in it. I think that, uh, is culturally timeless. And I think that you can really get a real raw feeling for the time period. Um, mm-hmm. and to me, black exploitation cinema in a lot of ways is kind of like, maybe not directly but it's kind of like i'm a huge fan of german expressionism as well so i love early you know fw murnau and uh, a lot of the early german expressionism uh caligari is one of my absolute favorite films did you go to the Lachlan when they had the um the i did not i did not i was so yeah i was heartbroken man like that oh. yeah that was i would have loved to um it was so but, uncomfortable being there watching uh m they're showing a clip of m oh wow me was this mother yeah. and her child now just looking at them going you don't know what this is about oh it's crazy it's crazy yeah it's yeah. i haven't mean, i haven't seen m i need to find it it's not very oh, it's, it's hard good. to find um i like i like it i like the obscure stuff but yeah german expressionism you know it's just you you're creating without sounding pretentious like you're creating art out of a desperate need to be heard do you know mm-hmm. what i mean and mm-hmm. And so that's where I connect, you know, the, I, I don't know how to say it. It's just, there's just so much substance, you know what I mean? There's so much substance in black exploitation cinema. And I know a lot of it's like hokey and funny and stuff like that, but, um, but it, it's just so, it's such a style, you know, and I just really love it. And like, I love the, the, the Michael Jai White film that he did. Um, black recently. Dynamite. Yeah, Black Dynamite. I thought that was a, a hilarious, like wonderful, uh, appreciative kind of little love letter to to black exploitation. There's another movie called Badass, which I think Mario Van Peebles did um, that he's done, which you know is basically kind of based on his dad, Melvin Van Peebles, who is a huge figurehead of the black exploitation movement. You know. And um, so this is all taking all sorts of turns. You guys, well, Mario broke into um, speaking of raw cinema, Mario broke into acting, right? Uh, and, acting in his dad's movie, yeah, he was a kid, yeah, his dad's yeah, movies. yeah, and absolutely. Didn't get some sort of workers' comp situation through his father, no, I think it was through the actress he was acting with. I'm not sure. I do I know that he's he well, one I of my favorite parts of Jaws 4, The Revenge. Sorry. Oh, man. Jaws 4? Just, they brought him back to life because How the audience was mad. in half and he's still alive? That just still, I can't I, understand. I heard the story behind that was that test audience shit on him dying, so they had to bring him back to life. The studios insisted on it. He got like bit in half. I yeah. loved it. I loved it. And he's just like, what's oh, up, guys? At the end, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah is i have a funny little story that's not really related but it kind of is um so when i was back in austin i one of the first films i ever did uh extra work like background 
background artist work for was uh Miss Congeniality. And um I'm like in the very beginning of that film, they're like interrogating like a Russian nightclub or something, and I walk around or I walk past this, I can't remember. But anyways, so we're filming this in some nightclub in downtown Austin on like Sixth Street, and uh Ernie Hudson's there. Oh. And uh Ernie Hudson's awesome, you know. So he's in uh, Miss Congeniality. And I don't even know if he was in this. I think he was because it was like a cop bust scene or something, you know. So they had, like established his character and Benjamin Bratt's character. And um so there was a break in shooting and I for some reason I was all ballsy. I just walked up to Ernie Hudson and like sat down next to him, like which is like a huge like no no, right? You would like never do this. Like so stupid, right? So <laughs> I'm sitting there and uh, I'm a huge fan of just like shit movies <laughs> and uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Casper Van Dien. He's become one of my brother's good friends apparently. So I need to like, I still need to meet him. Uh, I'm a big Casper Van Dien mark. But anyways, he did this movie called Shark Attack and Ernie Hudson is the villain in this movie called Shark Attack and um at the end of the film i know you said no spoilers but sorry i'm gonna spoil this um ernie hudson's the villain and he gets eaten by a shark right but it's intercut with like so much stock footage of like sharks that like none of the sharks look the same right it's like the worst <laughs> stock footage job ever but then you cut to ernie hudson getting eaten and i'm sorry like i hope this doesn't come off weird or whatever but his hand was a completely different like it looked like it was made out of like a weird chocolate like his hand looked like it was like an <laughs> easter bunny or something like it was, did not match it was awful right <laughs> and like it was one of the funniest gags in this fucking movie so anyways fast forward to like um <laughs> to to me shooting this like miscongeniality like whatever and i walk up to ernie Hudson, we're talking he's like oh yeah you know like i think he had no idea that i was like just some background nobody um he's like oh yeah you know like oh we're talking to another i can't remember what happened but i basically was like you know what i saw this film you did recently i really liked it like i had to think like i have to be sincere with this because if not he's gonna know i'm kind of like and i wasn't trying to shit on him but i just wanted to see what he would say and i thought you know so i go i saw this movie you did called shark attack and like before i can even ask a question he just he goes oh yeah uh, shark attack yeah well you know we shot that in uh Puerto Rico and uh you know it was just, oh you know okay excuse me man sorry and he just like gets up and just leaves like he he did not want to talk about shark attack and I just thought like fuck I just blew it man with Winston like I I'll never know what the behind the scenes tidbits on shark attack were and why his hand was a completely off shade color <laughs> that did not you match know what, him you sparked something in my mind and i remember the name of the filipino midget with the jetpack his yes. name is wang wang, wang, wang. wang. and uh oh there's a movie God. if you have amazon prime streaming i think it's on there <laughs> about uh, all the philippines b movies and stuff uh, that they did? it's got it's got wild wild wang featuring wang wang in the wild west i love it i'm sold yeah i'm sold if he's anything like rajnakanth then i'm sold <laughs> rajnakanth is the 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 bollywood like action star you've probably seen also with the midget who i think does like a madonna dance or something like that that's been like a widely streamed video of like a little midget doing like a dance to yes. a jukebox and then stopping yeah. and then stopping and they yeah that's like yeah the, he acts with this actor named rajna Kanth, who's probably my favorite bollywood actor he's probably the only one i know by name 
Um, <laughs> so that, but he's an action star. But he they do a lot of those. Yeah, just midgets and jetpacks, man. That's that's all I really need. In life. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. really all you need. So, Paul, I have a question. You you've worked with some of the best high flyers out there, um, and in this current rabbit tribe, you've got probably one of the best top rope guys I've ever seen, which is Malasuerte. Oh, yes, holy shit! When he yes. goes up to the top rope, Saltador. Oh, but yeah, they're both Saltador? great at the top rope. Oh <laughs> they're no, both no, great at the top rope. You're talking Malice about the corner spot. Yeah. Yes. yes. Most, I mean, the audience just stops dead and is just a gas every time. And it is freaking amazing. He's the sexually frustrated one of the three of us. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's the ro- he's the only one, he's the romantic of the trios. Yeah, you, you um, can read his shirt. He's not yeah. he wears it on his sleeve, folks, so to speak. Yeah, he's the one holding the doors open for girls and like trying to you know, buy their drinks and like he's a real sucker for that shit. Like girls work him all the time, and it's sad. You know what I mean? Because then like I have to help him um, hide the bodies and like salt the doors. You know, usually pretty useless because he's taking a nap or something. But um, you know, they they're they're good boys. They're good boys. It's such a shame because he's oozing such machismo that uh, you would think he would get over with the ladies. He has bad yeah. luck, dude. That's what mala suerte means. It's just an Ooh. unlucky young man. I know, I know. He, uh, I tried to get him to to you know even start doing some some different things, you know. And I, I don't really know where I'm going with that. He's just not good with the ladies. I think it's, he's... it's his own fault. His parents named him bad luck in Spanish when he was born. Like, yeah. That yeah, he kind of fucked up your kid. I mean, I was kind of, I was talking about trying to change his name to Masala Suerte, um, <laughs> just because tikka masala is one of my favorite foods, anyways. And I thought, like, if oh, he yeah. had some different, but he's he's pretty traditional too. He's Roman Catholic as well as his side religion. Um, but we've been trying to talk him out of that, trying to join him, join our our other uh, black sex cult. That's a side, another side project as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, talk I love it. Um, so <sighs> on a serious note, Paul, when you came into Lucha Underground, did were you brought in just to be an agent, or were they always planning on on doing something on camera with you? Because I know you were you were agenting before you even did the the Rabbit Tribe gig, right? Yeah, what happened was I was supposed to come in for season two, and uh, I think. Yeah, I think Brian Cage probably bad luck charm because uh, he was there when I hurt my neck. And then what happened was I was supposed to debut in season two and I did a show down in, uh, it wasn't Oceanside, but it was somewhere down there. And I was wrestling Brian Cage and it was like a Halloween show. And I was going to lose, I think, quickly and then like go back to the, re- go backstage and I was going to change into this, this set of trunks that I had made. Um, that just have PL on the front, but they're basically like Triple H's trunks from when he was like doing my time. Because uh, I came out as single PL, basically <laughs> making fun of him at a Halloween show in England one time doing the my time thing. And my match was like 80% water spitting and like three, three pedigrees and like one shitty, like, I don't know. Either way, it was a gag, but I was like, oh, I'm going to come back out as Triple H again. 
But then the gag the gag was on me because I did something in the match and like blew out my knee. Uh and the match ended like in like four minutes, like the first, and then that was just, like the end of it. Like the promoter was furious because he was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna pay you." No. Like, it was just, it was a big fucking mess. So, needless to say, I was hurt, and they were like, "Well, fuck, what do we do?" And um, they actually suggested, um, "Would you want to do maybe some aging stuff?" And basically, PJ Black took the spot that I was not that I was going to be a part of Worldwide Underground, but that's who came in and replaced me because I was supposed right. to debut against like Willie Mack and um, I think everyone loses in their debuts at Lucha traditionally. So. <laughs> uh, Good tradition. Good tradition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, th- that was a real kind of a blessing in disguise because to be honest with you, I was, I was not feeling a TV wrestling atmosphere and I just didn't know what to expect because I, I didn't know. I just knew that it was just a very, the most different, unique presentation there is. So that was very exciting, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because that gave me a chance to uh, kind of learn everybody as best as I could during that second season. And, you know, I'm sitting here learning like a new skill as well by by getting this uh, agenting producer thing down and uh, sitting in the control room with the headsets on. And Have you, you know, done like that before? I hadn't worn a headset like that since I worked at Old Navy. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> And then before that, I did McDonald's drive-through. That was my first job ever at sixteen. Um, it lasted two weeks. <laughs> um, well, it's got to be kind of uh, interesting too, because you were you were talking about earlier how you know wrestling in the last ten years is totally different than ten years before that when you were first yeah. starting to come in, and you're seeing a lot of these younger guys now, and and you're having to get some of them ready for TV. But they yeah, come it's, from a completely it's, different world. Is that is that kind of blowing your mind? uh no it it it, no what it what it is is you can tell who has there's there's two there's there's two kinds of egos you know you that you have healthy ego and you have a negative unhealthy ego and we all have an ego you have to have an ego to get out of bed um in my opinion but the thing is egos get a negative connotation everyone thinks like oh ego that's a bad word you know um but we all have them you should have one you know there's this there's there's it's like if you have pride in anything that you do then then you there's an ego involved there and that's not a bad thing it just gets misconstrued that way so um the reason i bring that up is because this past season so i've been agenting more for lucha underground than i have being a wrestler on screen right so three seasons now compared to two seasons being an on on camera talent and um so you learn people you learn how to approach them you learn what isn't really probably going to fly with them you learn what they're probably going to be excited about or what the, you know you you start to learn these ins and outs and stuff like that and and you start to learn how to make your job more efficient because when you're back there you know every little goddamn fucking detail isn't so much a necessity so you find out what become the necessity you know the the points that are really emphasized and um and it just helps you structure things more and more so um you also you develop a level of trust as well because you know if you have any kind of hidden agenda or anything like it's not the position that you should be in um the the position is mentally neutral in the sense that you really want um 
the show to be as kick-ass and as, as great as it can be with every everyone involved winning. So no matter who gets their hand raised at the end, everyone wins because it was a kick-ass match and it made sense and it got over the points that we needed to get over. And, you know, and hopefully we had some gifts in there by getting some camera angles that we didn't, you know, didn't think about or this or that, you know, so it's a, it's the most collaborative job that I've ever had uh, as far as just everyone really having the same goal in mind. Um, well, no, but with that said, you do have a few every now and then where the negative kind of unhealthy, Hey, this is, this should be about me uh can seep into it and that's because there was such a long layover or like a layoff that guys go and they make their living in other promotions and independence and in other countries and that's always a risk because you never know what they're going to be being fed over in these other parts and and how that might affect um an immature mindset or a, or an inexperienced mindset or a misled mindset um you know so the gap between three and four uh you know there were some people that just weren't even back like you just, i don't even know if i'll see them again um and and then there were a lot of new people who i thought i had an idea about that completely surprised me um for the better um you know but but yeah but to say that you know you're not dealing with egos and so you're you know i kind of one of my favorite books as a kid was like the man who wears many hats or what was that the hat peddler remember that and he's like sitting under a tree and he's wearing like 30 hats um because i take pride on being able to put a lot of stuff on my plate you know i like to think that i'm responsible when it comes to stuff that i care about um and and i really care about you know putting forth a, an outstanding television product um i i take a lot of pride in making everyone feel as valuable as they can possibly feel because for anyone to feel shunned or for anyone to feel that it's not about them it's a shitty feeling and it's a very common feeling in wrestling um especially when things are mismanaged and uh and, and egos are fragile as fuck, man you know like especially with um certain individuals like you have to think like okay is this person feel like their back is against the wall and everyone's attacking them all the time like probably so i have to approach this completely differently you know and and you know i'd like to think that i have everyone's trust and everyone likes the work that i do um or they probably would have replaced me by now you know? <laughs> who knows <laughs> well do you do you find it difficult at all to combine the lucha libre style with like american indie wrestling because i mean that's primarily what you've got to work with in the locker room, right? Mm, yes and no. I mean, I don't, I don't find it difficult because whereas 98% of the locker room prides themselves on like really wanting to show how amazing the shit that they can do is, um, I'm kind of the opposite where I've kind of really taken a lot of pride in, um, I've always taken pride in my selling, but I, it's like I can get myself over without having to do a bunch of insane stuff that I probably can't even do anymore. Um, but, but, but for me, I get off on challenging myself to get either specific things over or different things over. And so like an actor, you're going to make choices uh, and get committed to them. 
um, once I have a choice or like an idea in my head and I get really hungry about it, like I've made the choice, like I'm just either going to go with it. And usually I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty right. Um, not that I'm like, well, I know what the audience wants. Um, but the cod piece thing, like, I mean, the, I would like to think that 99% of what you see on TV, uh, has come out of my mouth if, as it pertains to what we're doing. Um, or came out of a text that I sent very late at night or an email or something along those lines. Um, so, uh, you will see my love for Caligari. <laughs> That's probably the only thing that I'll say. <laughs> well, is it, is it easier to work in this new facility too? I know you guys have a nice practice area in the back and set up yes. of, of the new temple yes. was actually pretty good for TV, right? Yeah, the locker room's condensed. Um, everything's, it, it, yeah, it's like, it's just a real, everything's a one-stop shop, you know what I mean? Um, whereas everything was like that also at the other place. And the, the only, the advantage the other place had for us was parking. Um, mm. Because at this place, if you weren't there to get street parking, then you had to park at a, a garage and take a shuttle over and stuff. And I, I don't like doing that kind of stuff. Um, so that was the only other real advantage to the other spot but as, as in terms of this place you know like they had showers um we had a practice ring uh all, you know everything's in walking distance catering production offices um we filmed everything there as far as like the set pieces that was another thing like the set pieces and all that kind of stuff was all filmed there so um yeah i i didn't have any complaints about it i really liked it i don't know that we're i, I don't know what the status is on it you know to be honest with you there's rumors yeah, I don't, that it I don't hung, know that anyone yeah. does. Like I've I've heard the rumors all the way up the the chain of command and all the way yeah. back down it. And uh, it, anyone who's asking, there's no answers, man. It could go any way for another season. It could be back there. It could be somewhere else. God only knows. Yeah, it's as an actor when you um, as speaking of all the sets and and how um, you had this elaborate set built for you at the New West Temple. As an actor, did you see? Or were you pitched with that extra potential for the vignettes, for the for the more cinematic portion of Lucha Underground when you were joining? Did you know it was going to be there was going to be that much of that side of things, or were you excited about that? Super excited! I had no idea it was going to be. I mean, yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, I was extremely flattered when I saw that piece that's in the trailer. Um, because I thought, okay, well, that's clearly for us, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and when you see that there's an investment involved, and so that's kind of what tied me back to that neck injury was, you know, I didn't know the magnitude that we would be involved in this season. And I don't, and I can't tell you what that magnitude is, but it, it is much, much more than the previous season. Um, and 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 you will venture into the rabbit hole uh with us so um it, it is a flattering thing to know that you're considered an important piece but that's the thing is that lucha lucha does a great job of making every character feel uh a vital part of of, of you know of the whole the whole thing you know we're all players on this grand game board and not one player is more important than the other. You know, obviously some are featured more than others in this and that. But, you know, I always use Vinny Massaro as a great example because even when he shows up, it's a great moment. 
Do you know what I mean? Like it's a funny moment and it's something that you remember. Um, and so, you know, he may not win a match or whatever, but he, he still gets something over or they still, something is still, you know, so that's, that's the key is how can everybody win regardless of wins or losses or championships or stuff like that? Because that's all just dressing, you know? So, we love Vinny um, on this show, by the way. Oh, he was our he was our oh, very great. first guest ever. <laughs> no, he's great. He's great. He's one of my favorite people, just period. And uh and you'll see you'll see you'll see a lot with everybody. You'll I don't think there's one character that comes to mind where there isn't something completely like kind of like wow, uh you know peeled away about them where you're just kind of like, whoa didn't see that coming with this character or like wow they're, they're investing in this person or like this it, that's pretty much the case for everyone that's on the show so well and that's one of the things too that i i, I was kind of hoping and and even talking to some talent about during the long hiatus of like you know just knowing that when you do come back you're gonna get over some no matter what like dj hasn't really let anyone down yet you no. know everyone gets that moment at some point in time whether whether it be all season long or not is is you know not everyone's gonna be the star of every episode but you're probably gonna get two or three spots big spots you know yeah yeah it's true and and just if someone you know it yeah i <laughs> i'll probably just <laughs> you could never know who might get killed you know you just never know <laughs> well yes which is you know the other crazy weird exciting part about this whole yeah. endeavor is that we're living in this this sci-fi you know grindhouse cinema world where people die and crazy yeah. things happen that you would not normally expect yeah, yeah pour one out for mr cisco man just oh. yeah we uh i didn't run with his gang I don't know. He's, he's more of an OC guy. <laughs> well, look, Paul, if they ever kill you off, I, I really, we really hope that you will leave us the cod piece in your will. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's in my contract that the only way my character can be killed off is if I perform Hirokiri. Um, and uh, so I'd have to cut out my own innards and disembowel myself. Um, but yeah, the cod piece. Uh, actually, do y'all want to see something cool before? I'm going to have to wrap up here in a second, but let me see if I can show you guys something cool. Uh, it's going to get dark for a second. Maybe lighting wise. I'm in, I live in Freddy's boiler room. <laughs> okay, hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Here it is. Okay. So here's. I sometimes I'll do these shows for Hood Slam, and here's a mega. Oh wow. piece. Hell yeah! Yeah, this one's glow in the dark. Yeah, glow in the dark. Uh, fresh pearls from the Pacific Ocean. No, these are all. Um, <laughs> so this, yeah, this this is one of my my mom. I think I'm gonna start getting into the the cod piece manufacturing business. Um, I need yeah, to that's find a way to make for sure. cod merch. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. like something. The PL cod like, merch. Yeah, yeah. That, if the Young the Bucks can sell shoes, you can sell cod pieces. This is, yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
Um, the other influence that really, for me, for the cloud piece, uh, I'll leave you guys with was um, Crispin Glover, another one of my real favorite actors and performers and artists. Um, he did this. He did a remake of The Wizard of Gore, um, maybe 2007 or something. I can't remember. And uh, and he plays this uh, this crazy magician and uh, and he's got this amazing cod piece in this in this movie. I recommend it if you're a fan of bizarre uh, gory horror films. Um, yes. The Wizard of Gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would definitely be this podcast, especially. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we we talk about Crispin a lot. I'm a big Friday the Thirteenth Part Four fan. Oh, Peter says he's a dead fuck. Great. What a yeah. great dance, man! Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What did he say that? What is what, a dead fuck? <laughs> Am I a dead fuck? Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. Where's the corkscrew? <laughs> <laughs> I've met him a few times. Actually, I'll leave you with another little tip before I run off. I have to be somewhere at nine in four minutes, so I'm sorry. Um, no but uh, back in the day when I uh, was dating or having uh relationship stuff with ashley uh way back um she had moved to austin and i didn't i didn't want to like live with her like i, I just it's not it's not anyways so she i you know i was like you should check out these apartments that are on the other side of the city <laughs> and um and she did um but anyways as that relationship started to kind of fizzle and like it was just i don't know we just just wasn't working out um but still very, very good friends and this and that, you know, like I always care about her. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. Um, it was one of those, it was like at that point where you're kind of like, okay with suggesting who they should go out with. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. that kind of part of that relationship, you're kind of like, Hey, there's your next boyfriend right there. Like, Hey, what about that guy? Like just kind of joking. Whatever. So anyways, <laughs> we went to, um, Crispin Glover had done uh, speaking at the draft house where he was showing his experimental films, like what is it? And uh, it's it. Or so. I can't remember what the other one was called, but he had these experimental films that he made where basically Feruza Balk voiced a snail and she was the only actor actress involved who didn't have down syndrome. So all of his character, all his actors are actors with Down syndrome. And this wasn't an exploitive film. It's, it's, it's very much um, an avant-garde piece. Um, and it, very surreal. It's incredible. So we watched it and we saw the film and he did a speaking afterwards. And he talked about how he does like Alice in Wonderland, all these big studio pictures so that he can make money to fuel these passion projects of his. Very inspiring human being, in my opinion. And... Uh, same as we spoke a little bit afterwards, I talked to him about Freaks, which is another one of my favorite films. Uh, one of us. I absolutely love Freaks. Um, Todd Browning's a genius. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyways, long story short, the next morning, she was flying off somewhere. And she calls. And she's like, hey, that guy from last night. Not that guy, but she's like, I think, you know, Chris Miller, that guy, he was here at my gate, you know, because she was flying to L.A. or something. Like, oh, well, go talk to him, you know, like, go talk to him. Like tell me, she's like, what do I say? Like, oh, just tell him you like the show, and like, I don't know, just tell him what you thought about it. And like, how much, what it made you feel, and what you know. So, long story short, she went. She's talking. Uh, next thing I knew, like they're dating, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you should go out with him. You know what I mean? Like he'd be an awesome boyfriend. Like you should go out. With him. And so she, she, I think she ups. She, I don't know, was it when you 
No, you don't die. She upgraded to from me to Crispin Glover. Um, and then we were in England doing a tour and we were at the O2 Arena in London and she wasn't on the tour, but she was passing through London with Crispin on their way to Prague to go to his castle. And so we're in London at the O2 Arena backstage, at like a house show and this like tour. And, uh, He's backstage with this beard, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, I'm flying all this shit." I'm like, be, be, you know, these fucking disrespectful, be, you know, stupid wrestlers. They don't, they don't appreciate this guy. They all think he's like McFly and stuff. And I'm trying to talk to him about all these cool like projects, you know, not projects, but like I'm talking to him about know, freaks and like you know stuff like that. And you know, he's really into like taboo stuff. And um, and so it was just really bizarre. But then like literally two weeks later, she calls me like freaking out. She's like, "I can't take this guy anymore. Like he's crazy." Or, I'm like, That's awesome. <laughs> like you know it's just just tell me stuff like that just made me like love him more you know <laughs> <laughs> so okay i've talked enough oh um, well thank you, thank you so uh, much for we joining us again though we should do this again sometime Absolutely. i'll keep i'll keep hangouts on here for a little longer yeah we like sometimes we have a 100 uh real quick we have we, a 100 um episode uh, 100th coming episode. Up. Oh, to make a cameo. Yeah, Justin's asking me to try and get some people to come on. So, um, since we're, be since honored. we're here, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Please and hopefully, it'll me. be after the season starts a little bit too, so we can talk yeah. a little bit more about some things that we can't talk about yet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we'll look into the light together. There's so much blood to talk about. <laughs> so much blood's good. Blood is blood's good. good. That's right. That's like that part in uh, that Faith No More song when he says, your menstruating heart. Well, good. Uh, Mal is... Uh, it's not strong enough for two. Yeah. Yes, that's it. My dad used to be so grossed out. He's like, how can you like that? I'm like, gosh. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, uh, midlife crisis. That's what this yeah, is. So yeah, I mean, joining us everybody you can follow at london foo on twitter so you can keep up instagram that's right those are the only two no facebook ever i've never had one yeah you don't need one man so i'm not a friend requesting you for a reason (laughs) um was uh, thanks to you everyone in the chat room and i guess the two people that are still left in the chat room cross is still in there and about 20 other people at least yeah sweet (laughs) Awesome. I'll try and find some some uh, Pizzagate stuff to send him so he'll, he'll get off. <laughs> there it is right there. That was it. 
Oh, uh, Cross, quick, Cross just mentioned Crispin Glover on David Edmund was his favorite. Yeah, that was that was oh, a like, awesome. Yeah. Moment. You know, and the thing was, he was actually playing a character to get over a movie that he was doing. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, he was on acid. He was like fucked up. Like he was totally working everybody. I'm just thinking like, what the fuck? This is a Kaufman-esque yeah. uh, thing. Was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he got, he got genius. For doing that. But then Joaquin Phoenix. But then he went back on later, right? And he yeah. was like, that was, that was uh, Marvin Farr, Robert Farr. I can't remember what his name is, the character, but it was for a film he did. I didn't see it, but yeah, good. I love it, man. He's, he's amazing in everything I've seen him in. Um, so, and his dad was in Warlock, the Armageddon, I believe. Oh, shit. Uh, I can't remember his dad, but he's, if you see him and his dad next to each other, it's chilling how much they look alike and sound alike. I need to so, watch Warlock, the Armageddon again. I was just playing the Super Yeah, the one, the one with the, the young kid and the girlfriend, that one. I think that's, Yeah, that's Armageddon, where they got to get the jewels yeah. and shit. Yeah, Yeah, Crispin Glover's dad plays the priest at the end who, like, <laughs> helps the, the, the Proptus. That. Yeah, that's his dad. Because wow. I was watching it again recently. I was like, wait, Bruce, not Bruce Glover. It's like something Glover. I can't remember. His, I was like, holy shit. Like, and then you hear him talking, you see his face, and he's like, ugh. He's like, yeah. Did you know they made a Super Nintendo game of Warlock the Armageddon? What? I think I saw that as a thing, but I didn't know that it was real. But that sounds yeah, awesome. yeah. I played, uh, I emulated it and played it because I saw an ad in a comic book for the game. Like I'm reading some old '90s comic book, and I'm like, holy shit! I need to play this. The game's terrible. Horrible. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, it's got to be better than the Jason, the Friday Thirteenth game, which is like just impossible. You die all the time. Yeah, the new one's pretty dope, though. The new one's good. I heard. I heard. That is all too many buttons for me, man. That's, that's <laughs> I like my quarters and my uh, WrestleMania wrestling challenge. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. I'll Have see you guys night, later, man. We'll do this again, all right, on the hundred show. Byron, let me know. I will. I will. Thank right, you, Paul, man. for coming. Thank on. you, sir. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Cheers. Bye. Dude, that was dope. That was that was awesome. Holy shit. Hey, did you guys hear about this little thing with WWE uh going to Fox for SmackDown? Hey, SmackDown's um, the new A show. Dude, I have cooler shit to talk about. You want to talk about WWE right now? Well, I want to talk about the TV side of it. You want to talk about WWE right now? Okay, I do. I do want to do that too, but I'm going to talk about WWE first because I already brought it up, and then I'll let you do your thing. Go ahead. I need to get a little drink of water. I'm a little... All right, get get some water. So, this is crazy to me. So, it started with the UFC, though, which was the weird part about it. And people don't get that, that that a big part of this puzzle is UFC. Which deal was coming up first? They're both coming up around the same time. I mean, but the, 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 the UFC deal was a big issue like they haven't been doing as good this year as they did the year they got sold and all of a sudden their tv rights are coming up they haven't gotten conor mcgregor to fight again they lost ronda rousey obviously um you know gsp hasn't really fought again since his one little one-off there they haven't gotten uh nate diaz back you know they haven't like a, a lot of stuff hasn't gone quite the way they they expected but some stuff has gone okay oh and jo- john jones has obviously been an issue still ooh, so ooh, wait um are we talking ufc issues did you talk well, about no because it's all yet? it's all it's all intertwined and, and we're gonna get to that too yeah what's what's his deal he got arrested today didn't he yeah for alleged domestic violence including strangulation so it's a felony and, and which yeah. ds was this 
uh, Nick. Nick. This is Big Brother. Big Brother. Right. And they haven't gotten him or Nate back on a card. So it was really weird. And everyone was speculating like, shit, well, if UFC's deal comes up now with Fox, like is Fox going to take them back at this big number that obviously they want after uh, William Morris Endeavor came in and bought UFC for $4.4 billion or whatever it was, $4.2 billion. So they got to make money back on this new TV deal. And I just don't think Fox was really saying anything big. Now, what UFC did, though, is the ESPN thing wasn't originally part of their new TV deal. It was their side deal where they said, basically, hey, we're going to give you 15 shows for ESPN+. Plus. And I don't know where those shows were going to come from. I'm guessing it would have been their Fight Pass shows and some of their other ones that weren't a part of their big Fox contract because that that TV deal still hasn't been negotiated or whatever. Then it's announced that, you know, I think after that happened, then Fox was like, well, fuck. Even if we put eggs back into the UFC basket, we're going to be sharing them now with ESPN. Fuck that. So they... And they took a look around at what could bring in new eyeballs, I think. And they saw that WWE SmackDown was a possibility and they went for it and they went for it at a big, big, dumb, crazy number. Dumb, dumb, crazy, because they're not getting if they were getting like late 90s ratings, I could see this amount of money. But live sports is yeah. a different thing now because the ad revenues you can get from live sports are not commiserate with the numbers anymore. Because the numbers it's all don't matter. Watch live now. It's the only thing where people actually uh-huh. watch commercials. Right, right. It doesn't That's matter how many people you get at all. It's the fact that you get anyone to watch your damn commercial anymore. And live yeah. sports is mm-hmm. one of the few things that can do that. Anything that that has a live first time viewing. I mean, even the award shows are getting big numbers for ads now um, that some of these other shows can't get you got to have appointment viewing where people want to see it. Walking Dead's doing great because people actually, even though the numbers are way down, people are still watching it live, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so any programming that can do that, like WWE or UFC or, you know, any sporting event um, is good business to a certain extent now for networks. So Fox did this big deal. They're going to grab SmackDown. They're going to put it on Friday nights. I'm assuming it's still going to be live. Um, though they're going to tape delay, I've heard, for the West Coast, which makes sense. I mean, it's it's that way now on USA. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. understand. I don't see. It, there was a lot of hubbub about, well, if they're paying for live sports. Why would they do a three-hour tape delay for the West Coast? Because, motherfucker, that's the way it already is. That's yeah, the, only, the only show I that loved- didn't do it was Nitro in the beginning, which yeah. was dope, because we used to be able to go home from school and watch wrestling right, right. away. And see but then yeah, they would still replay that. it at the East Coast time right, as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because I could go home, watch Nitro, then watch Raw, and then if like Sting came out and DDT'd Bischoff, you could just turn over at the main event and watch it a second time. Yeah, it sucked for boys like it because the, they could uh, go to the bar after after the show and watch themselves wrestle in a bar. I was in Florida at the height of the Monday Night Wars. Um so I would be I would watch all of Nitro live and then I would watch WWE off a of tape. Like right after it though. I mean hit it was recording on the VCR the whole time and usually I was recording um both shows on two different VCRs. It was so sad. Anyway, so this is big stuff, though, man. Like, you know, people people 
listen to us because we tend to have the inside goods on how TV deals work, especially with Lucha Underground. Um, and I'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but this is a big deal for everyone. So after Fox picks up SmackDown, what then happens is ESPN doubles down on UFC, and now they've purchased 30 events, which is pretty much the whole calendar year almost. I mean, you figure yeah, it's, it's like two every weeks two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So um, it feels like ESPN is going to be the new home of UFC. The real question is what happens with Fight Pass? If ESPN mm-hmm. Plus is this over-the-top service that's running UFC fights, is there any room left to have even one fight on Fight Pass? A lot of people have said that ESPN Plus might do a deal where for $5 more from the $5 you pay for ESPN Plus that you would get Fight Pass, which is the same price Fight Pass is right now. It's $10 a month. But um, it's already getting to the point with Fight Pass where you're basically just paying for the library. And for me, that's great because I love to go back and watch old fights. I, you know, I would spend... Back in the day, I would be spending $20 a month on different UFC DVDs. So $10 a month to be able to access the library is no big whoop to me. But Yeah, to, it's, it's why I subscribe to the network. But, the but yeah, network. same thing with WWE Network is like if you like that. But WWE Network is giving you a lot of value because you're getting the pay-per-views for that price. Too. Right. UFC true. ain't doing that. No, there's yeah, no way the fuck they're going to do that. that. And and they're devaluing it even more by basically putting a bunch of that on ESPN Plus now. So they do have to figure out something for Fight Pass. I think that's the real interesting thing to see. But it looks like, um, you know, Fox is going to be the home for SmackDown. Now, the real question is, will Raw make the jump off of uh, USA, which is also a universal pro- uh, company, onto big NBC or a bigger property than USA. I could see that happening. I could see network NBC at this point wanting to try wrestling on network television. Um, the product is PG enough right now. It's not that edgy shit that was going on in the early 2000s and the attitude error is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need that live number, even if it's only in a four or three or four that works for them still. That's still huge. If they can get that on network television and keep it there 52 weeks a year with that ad money. Um, and you could Wait, literally so have, have WWE on NBC on Monday and on Fox on Friday night, which would be crazy. So we have with the one company, I mean, beforehand, it would be like Viacom buys the rights and then they put WWE stuff on all their channels. But now we have... um so we have Raw and SmackDown, which are fake competing wrestling shows. Now they will end up competing wrestling shows on different networks. And Raw is going to have to get moved to a network just to be able. Sorry, I don't. Hey, Alexa, shut up. Sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> Don't talk to Alexa Bliss like that. She was nice <laughs> enough to stay with you for the night. Yeah, she's getting. You're just pushing her back into Braun's arms. I, I call. I call it computer. Say something. Hey, oh, I got to throw a shout out to to Zeus and the boys over at Markout Mania. Yeah. Let's their Zeus shows. just left. He just left so, the chat. So fuck Zeus. Sorry, bro. But basically, Whatever. everyone um, listening, your Saturday morning should be filled with Markout Mania. Markout Mania. So basically, uh, a couple things happened. One, 
Um, SmackDown happened just to have been bought at an all-time high, and it's moved to a network, and that's now forcing Raw supposed to be a bigger show than SmackDown. So whoever owns Raw has to treat SmackDown at least on par. They have to put Raw on network. Right, but see, here's the crazy thing. The the, the real crazy thing is how are talent contracts going to work? Are talent contracts still just WWE contracts and they can put whoever they want on the shows? Because if you look at SmackDown right now and the last shakeup, I think they purposely stacked SmackDown right now to get this deal. Yeah. And I don't like to watch SmackDown. I would rather just watch the flagship show. I would rather Raw what? be the flagship What? Show. Everyone good is on SmackDown. But that's the whole point. They keep doing that to me to the point where SmackDown is the better show. It doesn't fit into my life or schedule as easily. Yeah. Like and, everyone's and, always used to Monday night at this point. I'm but sorry. Yeah, so I'm sorry you love Dolph Ziggler so much that you just have to watch fucking Raw, Justin. I'm sorry. It's a Cleveland thing. But the question is, is NBC going to say, put John Cena on our show and not on yes. show? They're going to be like, we want Brock. We want Cena. We want Rousey. Uh, then Raw is going to be the B show. And it's going to be now fucking you have weird. an actual brand. What what when two things or you just end the roster split? You just end the roster split completely, which is what I actually see happening. Is I'm that you just throw it away? Again. Yeah, that could happen. No, no. I don't know. I don't know what kind of control they they maintain. But here's the other thing about this: I don't think Vince cares about those answers. I think Vince is going to get out. I think Vince is going to sell his share. Yeah, um, and leave this decision to the rest of the board. Maybe even Linda stays. You know, Linda, Steph, Shane, and the I other... Think, I think if Vince goes, that Linda goes, too. They're old, man. They need their time off. They've been doing yeah, this I shit. Don't, I don't know if they'll go at the same time. I think they'll, 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 Vince will leave and go do his XFL thing and, and cash yeah. in his, his into the stock and get out and have a nice little cash influx to try some other stuff. Um, but I think the rest of the family will stick around for brand security. And, and if they do leave, they'll leave one by one. I don't think they'll they'll be a mass exodus because they'll be doing themselves a disservice, and I think Hunter and Stephanie, obviously uh, Paul, I'm sh I should say the other PL, um, should stick around corporate wise the longest yeah. if they're smart because I think they can command high salaries. They can do the Dana White thing. What is that? Well, if, if they're uh, not going nothing. to, then you know um, the celebrities. I love it. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think uh, I kind of agree with you as well, because I think there's been a lot more um, strategy involved than there is value added to the, to the brand. And I think that the sell price is going to be a lot Look more than what booby, baby. That's what I'm talking about. it's going <laughs> to be worth. So why not sell high and then get out, run your football league? Because... <laughs> It's gonna be weird having Ron SmackDown on network TV. Casey, just, you have all the toys. You've got caramel titties. <laughs> Where did you get that? Oh, that's the that's the something to wrestle with uh, generator that this guy made. It's uh, www.stw. No, stgstw.com. Www stgscw.com so that that was bruce pritchard doing vince mcmahon that wasn't vince mcmahon 
<laughs> no, really. But um, he made like a pretty extensive soundboard. It's kind of amazing. Well, you've got some other new toys sitting over there besides that. What what, what else did you get today? What do you got? Oh. And where did you get them? Okay, so from LuchaShop.com, who I think might still have the last box in existence right now. It's been so long since I've been on the show, I haven't been able to show you the Lucha Libre, Legends of Lucha Libre Muscles licensed by Mass Republic. Uh, chances are they're going to redo them in more colors and re-release them. But right now, these are kind of hard to get. And I'm going to open them on the show like a dumbass and ruin their value. I actually have other ones packaged. Don't worry. I'm I'm not a mark, uh, but I am what a mark. What would Disco Inferno these. say about you opening toys and playing with them on the air? Hold on. You're not a mark, but you have a set to open and a set to not open. I, I'm just an, an enterprising businessman. Okay, so this set here, this is going to be... This is the set with uh, Conan. Are you going to uh, open both of them or just one? I'm going to open both of them. Conan, Solar, and Super Astro are in this set here. And what's cool is they they actually have completely done the original muscle packaging. Instead of uh, Muscle Man here, you get Solar jumping. The other pack, they made it Blue Demon. So it actually has the art of the guy that's in there. Uh, and so... You know how long I've had these and I've like not opened them because I wanted to do it on the show. Ooh, they feel exactly like the original muscle figures. Okay, so this one here is Solar. Did Are you going to show the package opening on camera? I just did, didn't gonna, I? Are we going to take your word for it? Okay, so this is Solar that if you listen to our episode where I did my top 10 favorite luchadors, he's one of my top 10, top five favorite technicos because he does cool submission moves. I like him. He's going to get his own uh, three and three quarter inch kind of like Star Wars style figure pretty soon with Master Public. They're doing that too. Uh, this right here is Conan and it's the masked version of Conan. So this is when he was Conan El Barbero. Yes, Conan the Barbarian in Spanish, my favorite movie of all time. One of my favorite luchadors of all time, too. Odole. Okay. And then uh, this is Super Astro with a dope fucking Warlock collar. But, you know, Warlock means Oathbreaker, so that's bad. That's a conversation we had in the chat. And uh, he also makes giant sandwiches. Look up Super Astro Sandwich on Google Image Search. You'll thank me later. Okay, set number two, as my camera free... Oh, see, like, I thought my camera froze on Justin eating, but he's, like, sucking on a cookie seductively or something. Uh, here, this is the Blue Demon set that... Um, They're Triscuits. They're delicious. Um, I made some cream cheese and olives to go with the Triscuits, but I ate it all already. I'll make you some cream cheese. I have. How did you make cream cheese? Left. Are you a doctor? Proctologist. Okay, here is uh, TN Blas, also known as Tiny Balls, also known as the Wise Giant. It, you know, it's kind of hard to tell when they're not in color, but that's how muscles roll, baby. This here is Blue Demon. Look at that. He gets a sick cape, little detail on his face. My webcam sucks. And Juicy Juicy, baby. Here is Hoobie Juice. And oh, like, stop letting y'all. Oh, the, the juice is loose. It's too close to the camera. The juice is loose. And he's like, give me them titties, girl. Mm. 
Uh, yeah. Looks like a werewolf there. He does. He kind of looks like the Wolfman. Well, that's his legends. His legends thing. That's not like Hoovy from today. That's. He looks like a werewolf today too. Dude, no. it's, it's just Hoovy, bro. It's just Hoovy. Hoovy's a pretty pretty man, Byron. You're jealous. Yeah, he he is a very pretty man. Um, so yeah, so there's like six of these dudes. They're the exact size of the original muscle toys. The plastic feels the same. And uh, also some muscle-related news for all you people. They're going to be getting some New Japan ones as exclusives in the new Fire Pro game if you buy the special edition. And uh, those aren't by Super 7. Those are going to be by the Japanese company. So over there, there are racers. So you can have your own Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi, Naito. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that I can stick my pencil in Kenny Omega's butt? You could, but I mean, it's not built for that. Like, you'd have to dig, but like... Uh, wait, wait, know, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying I can dig in Kenny Omega's butt with my pencil? Yes. Yes. Okay. And you don't even have to join the DDT roster for it. But awesome. uh, you have to get the special edition for Fire Pro. And since those are actually considered the line that Muscle came from when we brought them over here, those are still erasers because, like, we got hard plastic so kids would play with them. Over in Japan, they were erasers. You could actually erase pencils and shit. So that's well, what those they are going to be. Destroy your toy and have to go buy another one. Exactly, which is smart business, and I appreciate and it. And you dig it. So right, that was for Jay. <laughs> yeah, but I had to throw I had to throw in uh, a Booker T in there, even though it was uh, even though it was a Warriors. I'm graphic. surprised nobody in the chat room noticed that I was wearing glasses today for actually, the first time Rebecca, ever. They actually, Rebecca said that you look very good in your glasses, Justin. Oh. I just well, didn't want to interrupt. It's funny because the glasses are great for seeing everything up to the monitor, but everything else in the room beyond that, I can't see at all with the glasses on. It's cool, dude. You just need to see the details of my balls when we get off the air. That's all you got to see. Alrighty then. Oh. When, when me and Byron show you some pink like every week. Oh, are you guys right sad there? that PUG is leaving uh, the place a couple, couple nah, blocks away? Dude. I fucking hate, sad. I hate that building. Fuck that place. I only went to one show. I think it's awesome, but I also think that that legacy is awesome as is. And Byron, you went to three shows. Oh, I went to three shows. I went to one show that was three nights. It was incredible. And I yeah. think it's awesome, but I also think it's time for that. Like, they're going to have a whole new chapter at the other place. I think it'll be also just as cool. I hope there. so. I like them, and the idea of them being able to get more people in. You know, that's yeah. cool. Oh, it's weird that to me be cool. because PWG is going to be in a different place next month. Maverick, it, Casey never even got to come to the Moose Lodge for all the great Maverick shows because it was right when his work uh, class schedule was killing him. But Maverick is, is Maverick moving. Running? Are they running at the Legion Hall? No, They're Maverick on. is running in Glendale now or something, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, Magnolia. Oh, no. that um, Somebody was run. PWG had run in the past over by Fry's, dude, uh, in that in that kind of Legion Hall area where there's like the cannon set up and all that. Oh, that's right. Uh, you know that side street that we would park on and then leave and go to Lucha? No, I don't. Oh, because you'd always meet us there. I know. I'm, I don't want other people to know about it. Yeah. Um, why? We're never having excited? to do that again with the new setup at Lucha Underground. Right, exactly. But Are yeah. Oh! What's up? Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Just reading the chat room. What happened? 
Oh, you're making me. I don't have a Got lot of my kicks for Glendale. That's awesome. Oh, and Angie Hernandez says he does look nice in glasses. I don't even know if that's a real person. Um, I feel like Justin's using the chat just to say that he looks cool in glasses. <laughs> I think Justin saw what I was making noise about. What? And I'm on the Maverick Pro Play looking at Heatwave stuff. I'm trying to find it's at CML Studios on Mira Loma in Glendale. Or what are you looking at? Oh, yeah, I saw that already, Byron. I just didn't uh, want to interrupt. Oh, uh, are you what? are you excited that Just Incredible is going to be at Math Pro? <sighs> That's a tough one for me to answer, Byron. Here's here's my thought on the whole thing. And I love Maverick Pro. Um, the, the my issue with this card, as many of you may or may not know, they're bringing in a lot of ECW legends. Um, though Tommy Dreamer had did to you cancel. Do fingers when you said legends? I was looking away from the screen. I did. I did. Um, oh, you're a dick, dude. I have seen. Uh, I've seen most of these guys perform live, and I saw most of them perform live. I don't know, twenty years ago. And there was a point in time where as much as Justin Incredible got heat from a lot of the real ECW fans where he was actually credible, where he was, you know, he was worth watching. He wasn't the, the best thing ever. Um, it's 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 20 years later, guys. It's 2018. You I've, know? Got, I've got the answer to it. Justin. He started his run in in 1998. He just um, needs to change his name to Justin Continent. And then so, we don't have to worry about any Depends he's wearing. Here, here's the thing. I have a ticket to this show. That shit was funny. Fuck you guys. No, was, you just said funny. that like you weren't going to I'm supposed to no-sell those kind of jokes, though. Look, and by the way, uh, Mass Max and Dick Jokes won. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to do a 100th episode shirt or not, or if we're going to do both, but I'm I'm going to honor the poll. Um, what we and, do is uh, the masks, mats, and dick jokes t-shirt sometime. Next I week. okay. First of all, I kind of stacked the thing a little bit by asking people to vote that may not even buy a shirt. But well, I I did too. I have I, the perfect I tried to stack it the other way, so I can't. I have I can't. the compromise, Justin. We make the hundred a dick and balls, and then everyone's happy. <laughs> no. Right? Why chat don't room? we make the hundred because the episode. And then why don't we make the dick jokes after that? All right, we'll see. We'll see. So, we'll, but we're definitely doing. Those are the two. Those are the two winners. Um, we'll reissue Jim Skay sometime later in the year. No, no, we won't. It looks. Oh my god, do do I just need to yours show looks bad? Mine looks great because I got it on the black V neck. Um, if you get it on the black thinner quality shirts, they look great. So, I, but when I, I reissue V necks, dude, I'm not built like you and Byron. I no, can't. No, no. But there's also the athletic fit version too. So basically, I, I know what the problem is now. When I reissue it, I'm only going to give the shirt options where the logo works. I also um, want to bring up in a chat room that there was a strong response to um, our my, my uh, Justin Cotton. I appreciate it. Paul. Thank you. Ped pedos were, were mm -hmm. hard against pedos, and there have been multiple requests, including one right now for a shirt. Byron, why are uh, you hard against does, pedos? No, the hard shirt says hard on pedos. Hard against pedos. We hard on have pedos. coffee mugs. Typically, whenever we release a shirt, you can get a coffee mug version of whatever the logo is. I have is. a where is Casey coffee mug. 
There's a Where's Casey one. There's this one. I have one. that one too. Yeah. This one in white also. Anyway, let, so Maverick Pro. Let me finish this thing about the... So e- everyone who listens to this show ever knows that I have a little bit of a soft spot for ECW. Yeah. But at the same time, my nostalgia for ECW doesn't run deep into necessarily seeing those guys now today like i respect them and if they're working i, I want to support them but well, i guess we're never getting just incredible on the fucking show there goes mean, my dream guest. yeah but it doesn't mean that i'm excited about seeing guys that are eight years older than me get in the ring and tear it up like maybe one or two of them but this show has a, a lot of them the things i'm excited about that are on this show is uh taya valkyrie is coming in taya is coming in for the first time against rachel ellering I'm excited. She's going to gonna be that. married yeah. by that point, I think, Justin. Uh, which is fine. Which is She's fine. She's going to be Taya Mundo. Me and Taya have an understanding. I I cheer for the other team. She gets in my face and humiliates me and makes me feel small. It's kind of like a. Uh, oh, you're into that, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a BDSM thing almost. It's like you know, I'm I'm a sub and she's a dom and it's fine. This um, is fucked up. <laughs> Like this is a, a lot of fucking talk on this podcast. We should be called Mass I'm Matt's. Not, I'm, I'm, no, I'm making a. a, a I think you need a cod it's a metaphor. The BDSM is a metaphor a for, for our relationship in and out of the ring. <laughs> stands for big dick. Little, big dick sucking man. Is that Whatever. what it stands for? Her and, uh, her, and her, her man her who could be the winner of survivor i don't know if you guys have heard or not but john johnny goliath johnny morrison was uh is a part of the next season of survivor everybody yeah i wonder if van wagnon had anything to do with getting johnny on there i wonder if eric's gonna kick his ass for poaching his talent he might what, what it was in the off season anyway eric eric's a shooter dude we talked about that on the show master of the oil check you know <laughs> So here's the thing that I'm excited about for Maverick Pro Wrestling Heat Wave on June 23rd, uh, 2018 at the CML Studios in Glendale on Miraloma Avenue. So I, I, me and Jim both have tickets. Hopefully we can both make it. I'm excited for Taya versus Rachel Ellering. I'm excited to see what Andrew Everett's going to do. Um, he has been killing it at Maverick, and as most people know, or maybe most people Dude, don't know, he's an Impact Tag Team Champion now. Is he wrestling Sabu? Is Jack Evans wrestling Sabu? And if I either of those are I, the match. They haven't really said who's matched up against who. Um, he might be matched up against Super Crazy, which would be pretty awesome. Fuck, dude, I want to see Jack versus Sabu. That would be... Yeah, so Jack Evans is on the card. Um, yes. On the poster, he's faced off kind of against Chris Bay, which would be awesome. Chris Bay is the current Maverick Pro. Right, so that's a title match. He took the mat, uh, the belt off of Cross. Uh, I don't I like know. how you say took because you know he stole it. He, he took it. Um, oh. I don't know um what cross's status is for this i don't know if cross if you're still watching are you on this card are you gonna come in or should chris bay be worried he faced off with chris last time Dude, he's not gonna announce that he's gonna come and fuck somebody up come on well, he can't last time he had, a, he had an actual worried. match against uh simon gotch or simon grim which is what he goes by now that he's not in the mm-hmm. wwe anymore which was a great match uh, and actually, very technical. A lot of mat wrestling. Um, he has cool merch now. He, he you know, Simon. He's actually pretty Simon sweet. I, I, I was digging. I was digging Simon Grimm. His misfits themed merch is very warms my heart. You know, and well, Matt, 
Matt Cross does Misfit Misfits theme merch. Not a fan of Misfits theme merch. No, of um, people from Cleveland. Oh, you wrestlers. son of a bitch! He's a whole just man. wrestlers from Cleveland. Just wrestlers. If you uh, can if you name a good Cleveland wrestler, Johnny Wrestling. I don't know who that is. And you can't say it because you'll be spoiling everything. So now no one will ever know. Oh, that's Joey Wrestling. Oh. <laughs> he meant you meant Johnny Gar- Gargano? Yeah, Johnny Johnny Wrestling. Nah, uh, uh I was kind of rooting for Tommaso the whole time. I thought I was gonna say the Miz. And I like the Miz, but Gargano hey. is Gargano is Cleveland wrestling. Say what you will about the Miz, but he had the best match on the last pay per view he was on, by I far. Mean, I don't know if Cross, I don't know if Matt Cross ever really worked a lot of like the AIW and the Cleveland shows, like Johnny Gargano. But Johnny Gargano actually wrestled in Cleveland a lot in Erie, Pennsylvania, and Sharon, PA, and Akron, and like he actually made a name for himself on the Cleveland circuit at the same time that he was coming up and other, you know, indies around the country. So I have to me, Google. Johnny Gargano is Cleveland wrestling. I see. I have to Google. Cause I don't want to like accidentally say something and Sid's from Cleveland secretly. Yeah. Uh, and see. I don't think Dolph Ziggler is really a Cleveland guy, even though he churched for the Cavs and everything. I think he's like Cincy or Southern Ohio or something. Dude, you really like, want to disown like OVE is Dayton, which isn't really Cleveland, but we'll take oh, a look. M Dog 20 on a Cleveland All Pro Wrestling show. Justin is wrong. Yeah, but how many and how long ago? Like, did he come up on that circuit? Uh, this is, yeah, 2004. This is when he was okay. M Dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. I'm trying to look for like a wrestler I like. Oh, Glenn Spector. He's dope. Some guy, you know, he used to team with Dan Chokudino and DDT. They were the gay machine guns was the name of their team. We'll oh. see in indie wrestling in Ohio was a big deal when it started happening because we didn't really have a territory in Cleveland. Oh, my God. You got to listen to some of these results, Justin. OK, the bouncer beat Iron Man. Uh <laughs> Sheikh Abdul Hassan beat Dick Trimmins. Oh, he could <laughs> Dick Trimmins. That's can't, amazing. Can't have dessert. The basket Nazi beat Nemesis. The Canadian bad boy then beat basket Nazi in a special challenge match. Jason Bain beat Christian Faith oh. to retain the television title. Arrow with an exclamation point and fabulous had an altercation and Fabulous suffered an ankle injury. Raymond Wright and Dick Trimmins beat Sheikh Abdul Hassan and Discole Fever, the tag champs. Discole, D-I-S-C-O-L-E. Uh, yeah. Okay, then there's a guy named Rockin' Nick Ritters and Johnny Blaze. Oh, uh, I'm interested in this uh, Dick Trimmins guy. He's all over no, this. I bet you're interested in some Dick Trimmins. <laughs> Tyson Bishop Dios the Rush Salvador beat Tyson Bishop uh, let's see uh, so his name is literally God in Spanish M-Dog 20 beat Jerry Lynn to retain the junior title Jerry uh, Lynn his name was M-Dog 20 we didn't even get to talk to uh, London about his his little Jerry Lynn feud those were good those Nikita, were good matches Nikita Alanov beat Darren Smythe so they're working the Russian gimmick in 2003 
Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Let's see. A guy named Brandon X. That's a threatening name. He he must have been like you know like. And look, if he's nation know. of Islam in Cleveland, that might be more threatening than you think. The Adam Cage beat the Zodiac Killer. Very Sagittarius. Uh, the Canadian Bad Boy beat the bait the Beatnik Page. Oh God, the man! No wonder you left. Uh, the outlaw. Oh, look, LA. they're still very into shows. I mean, these guys are probably in a wrestling school out there. What are you looking at? AIW. Uh, this is uh, Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. The outlaw L.A. Red defeated Dick Trimmins by submission. What? By by what is it? Ultimate submission. What's that website? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hate Pac. There's a wrestler named Eight Hate Pac, and it's H Eight Pac. Uh, and Adam Cage beat fabulous John McChesney and Ty- these sound like fucking um what's the the Southpaw regional wrestling characters <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ um but this is this is just oh look Matt fucking Striker Adam Cage beat Matt Striker but you know what it's the other Matt Striker with a Y not oh, um. not our Matt Striker wait no wait yeah he's with an I um Oh, look, the aerial icon, Justin Idol. I, yeah, we know what your name was there. The hero. <laughs> um, Secrets. They did have Sumi Sakai wrestle uh, Haley Hatred. That probably was a good women's match. Uh, there's a team called the Munchies, which is Dick Trimmins and Sheikh Abdul Hassan's tag team. Uh, beat the Dynasty JT Lightning. And Hate Pac and Adam Cage. That's three people. And a tables elimination match. Wow, this is great. I could read this shit all day. I wonder <laughs> you're enjoying watch, this way too much. Watch, you're gonna like look up Dick Trimmins and he's gonna be like Roman Reigns now or something. <laughs> we're gonna hey, make happy we're birthday gonna make to the big dog, by the way. Anyway, I was talking about the Mav Pro event. So is I was Dick, trying to is, my whole point Dick, was Is Dick Trimmins wrestling? No, Dick Trimmins is not. But my whole point was. I'm going to go. I'm going to support the ECW guys. I love those dudes. I'll be happy to see Shane Douglas. I'll be happy to see Super Crazy. Wow. Sabu's going to be there. Um, Dude, this is Dick Tremens. He looks like fucking Vic Grimes. Oh, my God. Let me see that again. I'll hold it on you so we don't. Yeah. Dick Tremens. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy who bashes wrestlers. Because and isn't a wrestler and has nothing to stand on. But just imagine, just imagine like you're out and about one day and someone goes, Hey, I'll pay you $50 to be a wrestler in this event. And you go, All right. And the guy goes, You need to go get an outfit. I'll see you in like 20 minutes at the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that that's, that's what's happened. That guy probably paid what, money to the wrestling school and then. For free, they said you can be on the uh, show. This is the tag team of Dick Tribbins, Dick Trimmins, and Too Cool Abdul, known as the Munchies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are they doing with their arms, dude? They're fucking flexing their ripped ass muscles, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we get to these places. Anyway, so as I was saying, <laughs> dude, look at this. Look at this. Look at this mustache that Dick Trimmins has. About anyway. So okay, you've I got see you. Raven, you've got Shane Douglas, you've got Sabu, you've got Little Raven's Guido. doing stand-up comedy now. You've got Super Crazy, and yes, you have Justin Credible. But 
again, I'll support those guys. I'll be happy to see them out there, but I'm more excited about other stuff. Like I think uh, the uh, Eli Everfly, Delilah Doom tag team of yeah. Doomfly. That's going to be awesome. They're going to be there. Um, <laughs> who else is going to be there? Uh, Grado is going to be there, which probably... I, I wonder if that means that uh, Katarina is coming back, even get, though she lost her great, title. Get Grado on the fucking show. We won't understand a word he's saying, but it'll be hilarious. It'll be, it would be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> anyway, that should be an interesting event, and they're not running the Moose Lodge. Uh, they got too many ECW guys to pay, so they're doing this CML Studios place, which should be bigger. It'll be interesting. Uh, Jim and I both have tickets. Casey, are you going to come? No, I couldn't get tickets, so I'm just kind of like... Oh, we can get you a ticket if you yeah. want to I need VIP or I do nothing. Well, <laughs> I, me, me and Jim didn't even get VIP tickets. I mean, I'm sure if we begged and pleaded, we could get them. But, um, yeah, I didn't... I, I refused to buy a ticket before I knew where the venue was. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather commit yeah. to their next show and, like, actually, like, make but it... But the next one's in Vegas. I don't know if they're coming back. Oh, it's not like I have roots in Vegas or anything. Well, that's true. We could actually go out to Vegas like me and Byron did for that uh, for that uh, Future Stars show. Dude, Cross I think let that, us sleep on his couch, right? Trouble, to be honest with you. Could, wouldn't Cross let Cross us sleep? Cross doesn't have a couch. It's a bed of nails. Dude, it's cool, man. I watch Wing. I can fucking take it. All right. You just have to lay really flat. And maybe have a cactus on top of it and hit the yeah. cactus. Are you telling me you that you seriously wouldn't be worried about spending the night in Cross's house that like you wouldn't wake up buried in the desert somewhere? Nah, dude. See, I would I would be more worried that I would like fart in my sleep and offend him. Cause like, you know, I'm a polite person. I'm a good guest. I would I'm I would hoping, really I'm hoping by that time, like he's in Japan or he's doing a show in Mexico or something, maybe we can just house sit while he's out of town. Now you don't want to be responsible for that because what if people like, you know, like, what if you're like, oh, I hope he has some delicious crackers. I'm a little hungry. And he said to help myself. And you go and there's like a fucking human head in there. You I, got, know how to, you I know how to wipe that. down my prints, man. As long as I know, as long as I wipe down my prints, I'm not worried about that. I have really bad dry skin, dude. My DNA is all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so that show don't looks interesting. Um. We talked about Cross's thing at AAA last week. Uh, that whole show was awesome. Again, um, dude, check out the opener and the whole show. But yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little sad that he killed my Viking friends. But you know what? It's cool, Cross. Look, Kills dude, and Vikingo, I put him over big time on the show last week. That he was great in that yeah. match. It is very much a shame that um, Cross decided he to died. murder his face. Hey, if you're going to murder somebody, murder the guy with the fucking sword first. You know what I mean? Yeah, why not? We referenced the championship sword situation, Casey. Oh, you guys talked about it? How having a guy just holding a sword around when one of your championships is a sword would be like someone coming and attacking people with a bunch of championship belts that weren't your championship belt? You guys talked about that? Marvin tried to. I told him he, he should wait till you were back and talk to you about it. Oh, I'm hot about that a little bit. You know, there's a lot of Viking weapons that make more sense than a sword, like a fucking battle axe or, or Warhammer. Fucking Mjolnir. You know, Thor is a really popular Vikingo. But I, I feel like I can't get through to him because he's dead because Cross killed him and there's no hope now. But Cross killed him because of his choice of weapons. Yeah. 
and everyone else simple. just everyone else just died because they were there. Yeah, they were they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I also watched Impact. Um, <laughs> I think that this thing with the X's is interesting. I feel bad for uh, El Hijo de Fantasma, whatever his name is, son of the ghost, as as Josh Matthews likes to call him. Um, he had his his X division title shot and uh, was unsuccessful, and that's it. Was that the dopey move that we were talking about? The GIF, the weird little Matt Sedal thing. Uh oh! I wasn't in the I wasn't in the DM then. Is that, guys- is that was that it, Byron? Is that when he lost to Matt Sedal with that weird move? Um, it had to be. Yeah, uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really like that move. Uh, I I also want to point okay. out Neef's not here because he somehow caught the sickness that Justin had. Meef doesn't uh, like it. I don't mind that move. I Meef doesn't like that his boy lost, though, dude. Like it, it could have yeah. been like a fucking nine fifty splash, and he would have hated it. Well, at you that look point. at it like it having a guy like Sidal not doing like a four fifty splash finish. I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, definitely the la- it doesn't have much impact to it, though. It doesn't get. The X Division, man. Did you watch when the X Division was dope? Like around like two thousand. Yeah. You know when Joe was getting his push. Joe was doing it. Um, AJ was doing that. Yeah, yeah. I and they had championship matches on yeah. like suspended like wires. I fucking loved TNA back then. Like they they did dumb stuff, but they didn't Remember do. Sonny Siaki. Yeah, oh, that stuff that, was awesome back with then. the fucking oh. Elvis gimmick. Flying yes. Elvis, Sonny Siaki. Yeah. He's, he was uh, Elvis and The Rock. Yeah, at the same time, sometimes. Oh it was God. also, th- this impact was exactly what we talked about, too, of like, Jesus Christ, they, they have this blow-off, this street fight with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan at some other promotion, and then, sure enough, here it comes, s- just sauntering this feud back into the impact zone, and and they even said that, they they compared the feud to the Dreamer Raven feud as in like we're just going to continue this for a million years because we have no idea how to end it yet. But Heyman knew where the fuck he was going. I don't think they know where they're going with this gimmick. And at this point, it's like, uh, guys, you got to come up with some kind of credible blow off in this day and age. This I don't. Cannot- I don't believe that Heyman knew where he was going. He just Raven just signed with WCW, and so he knew where he was going then. You know. Well, I mean, but but my whole point is like. The, the the feud has to have some kind of blow off. They've already gone too big with it now to extend yeah. it further. It's the gun match. That's that's what you do. Yeah, gun, gun on a wire. Gun on a pole. Gun on the, the X. Raven, Tom, the whole Raven Tommy Jammer thing, that was that was something without an ending. Eventually Tommy went over, but he was never supposed to. That was the whole appeal of Yeah. But the cool thing was. is when he went over, then they kick started the whole wwf thing with van well, damme and i don't know what the they second do after it. oh and back to my my andrew everett thing uh yeah. andrew everett is awesome i think that he needs a little bit of a look makeover though the scruffy beard and the long hair doesn't really work to me it doesn't work for the other five guys okay justin here. we're playing we're playing makeover wrestler right now which which uh which look do you think you're going to put on him? And you have to be, it has to be good because me and Byron are going to compete. 
with what you on on Andrew Everett? I would make yeah. him look like Blanca. Paint him all green, paint him green and shit. Green with a weird like furry hair mohawk. Like I would do something extreme with him. I think he's a good enough wrestler that that he could have a crazy look and not have to do anything with the gimmick. He could just still be the heel that he is as the gimmick. See, I would give him a mask that looks like Ben Affleck's face. Well, what about comes, a but mask? not reference it. Not reference it on commentary at all. I would give him Ben Affleck's back tattoo. Oh my god. What what is that of, Byron? I like just tribal or designs something. or something. Yeah. It's just it's just the barbed wire that goes around your bicep, but it's just all over his back. It's that, Byron, gold, you going it's to all that Goldberg tattoo. I did not get tickets to All In, so if I go, it's going to be secondary market bought last minute. But it's in September. I don't know. Do where you I'm feel be. like it's worth it? I mean, I think so. It's, what is it's it? Going what to is be it? An iconic moment. All In is this massive event, and they don't is even it have massive? yet. Oh, dude! If you look at fans. the if you look at the um, the actual convention they have around it, the Starcast, it's pretty big. They but got that's that's what's that's what's unique about it. The rest is a Ring of Honor show, really. Yeah, but more or the, less. The, what's so cool about it is you're going to the to the show that the boys put on and sold ten thousand seats. The boys and became, I agree with that. That's cool too. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, Ring of Honor is running places smaller than this and they have the same group of guys on a regular basis why aren't they running bigger shows nah, well, they don't nah, have rain they don't have penta or phoenix i guess yeah there's there's they some didn't get, they didn't get the smart thing that that these guys figured out in that all of these fans think a lot of them think that oh fuck wwe we're cool we're sticking to the man wearing Bullet Club shirts in the front row of Raw that we paid $400 to the promotion so we can wear our $25 shirt in the front row. These are the kind of fans that they were catering to. And buying a ticket is more not just seeing the matches, but supporting these guys and saying, fuck you to Vince McMahon for a lot of these people. Well, so but I got to say, I, I don't think you should oversaturate the market, but I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, this should be twice or four times a year. They should actually just start a promotion at this point. I the amount of money they're going to make, even with the ticket prices there with at 10,000 heads plus merch is astronomical. I still think it's fucked up. They did the same weekend as the, uh, the Lucha Expo. And I think that they would do even better if they didn't do that. Well, maybe, but how fucked up is it? I mean, they got they sold out and they got half the talent that are at Expo Lucha. The, the second yeah. day of Expo Lucha now is going to be like Kevin Cross and five guys who aren't booked on All In. It's you know, it, I mean, I'll probably be there over Chicago, even though Chicago is like my second home. But I've never been to Chicago in my life, Thank and uh, fuck, man, it's like I don't know. It, like both of these events could have done better if they were farther apart. I think, but you know, it's just it's just nitpicking on my part. Well, I, don't I know think how that All In could do better because they they sold out. They yeah. sold out right away. Um, I think now well, Expo Lucha's not doing terrible either. I mean, they pre-sold yeah. what they what they were planning to pre-sell. Now maybe their walk-ups get hurt by this, but I don't know. See, so yeah, but Vegas, you get all kinds of crazy walk-ups just from people out of town. Like, what the fuck, Lucha Libre? Okay, you know. Right. I think you're going to see how Starcast does. I think that's going to be the next sort of box office. 
sort of where they're going to draw the line on on what you know how the money that is so should we counter program and go to vegas and and podcast from there and do uh four star cast you know it's hilarious how for all in they were doing the all in banners we should do something like this they were doing like so and so is all in and it's like kazuchika okada and where's the valvinus bro where's the valvinus is all in that's what i want can we do mmm show is all out (laughs) and now for starcast the now you see it's like you'll see something that goes noel foley it's all in for starcast (laughs) right because that's all they can get on at this point oh dude we'll be like we'll be like all you know uh joey ryan is all in your butt and then it'll be yeah yeah there we go you're welcome, right. Joey. But um, I, I, I do think tomorrow. I think it'll be a good show. I think I think um, the Bucks are better wrestler minds than a lot of people give them credit for. And I think Cody Rhodes is a tremendous like it's in his blood, and he has hard opinions. Can and we I, do Can we do a podcast that weekend? Call all in your guts. Can oh God, Rebecca's talking about I'm, Italian beef sandwiches. Um. I don't do Italian beef sandwiches. I personally, I like the combo, which is an Italian sausage and an Italian beef. Are you with, listening? Are you listening? With the jardinera. Vinny, you listening? You listening, Vinny? With the, with the jardinera, as they call it. The jardinera. That's the way. I, I don't just like to dip my beef. I like to get a sausage and a beef. See, Justin eats like a six-year-old and eats crackers all day. He puts- Ketchup on his eggs. I do not. Oh shit! But I just wanted to say. You just remind. You reminded me, you guys. Talk for a bit. I'll be back. I'll be back. I, ha- I have to show people something. Okay, because I'm going to close out the show pretty soon. But I do have one more yeah, thing. I, I got to get going. It's one a.m. over here. We uh, talked to Paul London. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Let's get, uh, get your thing. Get your thing. Oh, it's it's cool. I'll I'll do it later. I'll do it oh, later. Dear. It's fine. Well, so the end of the end of impact was the only other thing I was going to say. Um, the, oh! X, the X's are, are, I don't know. There's some a mean game of tic-tac-toe going on at, at Impact. Something exciting is going to happen soon. People are getting hurt. Yeah, random people. All sorts of people. Every All the people. And Josh Matthews is worried, so I like this angle. This is interesting because it's not like they brought in Penta and Phoenix as like, hey, look at someone else's promotion, like, you know, guys or whatever. This is like, this is going to be an impact person who's causing a lot of damage. Um, Penta is facing Aries next week for the belt. Also, um, you know, and we'll have a lot to talk about after next week's uh, episode of impact. I think mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to yeah. see how everyone fares. Uh, I have, I have more to say about the Cuerno thing too, but we can talk our Phantasma thing, but we'll talk with Meatloaf about that next time he's on. Was there anything else you wanted to show us, Casey? Or are you you're good? Oh yeah, let me take it out. No, <laughs> mass mats and dick jokes. That's the Ooh. biggest dick joke around, or the that littlest one. No joke. No joke, <laughs> Justin. You know this. We need some Magnolian goggles to go with the oh, glasses, baby. So before so, we go, I just wanna I I wanna just uh, 
plug our Sunny Kiss interview real quick. That was tremendous. Uh, we lucked out with two tremendous. Yeah, I don't guests. even know if you need to plug it. Uh, it's doing really, really well. The response has been awesome. great. A lot of people uh, are are getting to know Sunny. Didn't know a lot about him, um, including awesome. endorsements from people like Lucha Blog. I did yeah. get some questions as to why in our promotion we didn't promote that Sunny was an openly gay wrestler. And, yeah, that kind of bothered me, dude. It's like why. Why have to like promote something that's such a small part of the person's life? Well, and uh, don't get yeah. me wrong, because I think it's I think it is a, a big part of Sonny's persona to a certain extent. But at the same time, yeah. it, the, the whole point of the episode was to let Sonny tell his story the way that he wanted his story to be told. Right. It's right. not for me to tell Sonny's story and, to and, put labels and on all them. I need to do uh, as the producer and promoter of it is to get you interested. And I think people have done that. And if you feel like that's a big part of the story, that's great. Re Repost it, tag it, and you say it. We don't necessarily have to say it. I just chose um, not to specifically trigger on that point because as, as Casey was saying, there's a lot of aspects of who Sunny Kiss is that are interesting for promotion. We can tease the, the parts of Lucha Underground that he talked about or tease the parts of, you know, his story coming up as a wrestler or, I did tease the part uh, of Sonny talking about being compared to Exoticos because a lot of people, yeah. including myself, the first time, um, instantly kind of said, oh, well, Sonny is going to fill kind of the Exotico thing that, that AAA always does. But Sonny is not used the way that an Exotico would be used in AAA. Sonny is used completely different in Lucha Underground. You'll have to watch it to see it. Um, and it, And again... I just think it's it's Sonny's story to tell. Sonny told that story in the mm -hmm. episode, which you can hear, which is the previous episode, episode 94. Um, and, and there's no reason for us to harp on something that isn't our our part of the story. That's not where we come in. Where we come in is is having the forum to express these things. You know, I'm not going to promote paul london for you know his stories about ashley and crispin glover i'm going to promote him for cod pieces in lucha underground and you know smiling at vince an exclusive <laughs> exclusive cod piece look on the yeah. podcast yeah but that anyway yeah for spoiler go back and check that out it was awesome to have yeah. uh paul this week there's a few other guests um it's also mil muertes's birthday today so everyone oh, say happy hi birthday, sir. happy birthday Man, to uh Ricky Banderas slash El no, no. slash Mil no, Pas Pascual Mendoza. Come on. Uh, not one of those, by the way, is a shoot name. <laughs> Even no, Ricky I Banderas know. is not yeah. a shoot name. <laughs> hey, we don't need to tell people that. It's all right. <laughs> I love <laughs> it, though. He's uh, been so Ricky wanna, since forever, though. Um, I want to plug uh, our famous B thing on Lucha. Dude, I saw Ricky and as Ricky ringside in either Wing or IWA Japan. And I'm like, holy shit. This is amazing because that was like 93, dude. Or 92. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, what were you plugging, Byron? Uh, our famous B uh, video on Lucha Central. There's a lot of best of MMM shows on Lucha Central that are worth checking out. It's pretty cool. And we have our own section of videos there now, too. People were having a little bit of trouble finding them, but there is in the video section a whole mass uh, best of mass mats and mayhem uh, section there. I was yeah. uh, very proud to see that. Uh, that the main Lucha Underground social media retweeted 
Lucha Central today uh, for the best, uh, the 100 best of, which I believe is an Eric Mutter piece. Yeah, and it's know. a good, it's a good piece. Um, I'd like to congratulate Eric on the good job he's doing over there. All right. So, did you have something else to say about Eric Casey? No, because he got actually offended when I was fucking with him, so I don't fuck with him anymore. It's fine. All right. Sex offender. <laughs> Where'd you go, Justin? Um, so thanks <laughs> want to be on London. camera if I said it. Thanks to Byron for all the hard work setting up the Paul London interview. That was him Thank this you. week. Last week we both tag team to get Sonny all set up, but Byron did it all this week. So thanks. And Byron's got his work cut out for him, stacking that 100th episode, which is coming up really soon, guys. Sit, I got sit, two people sit, booked sit. so far. He's got two. Let's see if you can <laughs> let's see what you can do to make it an all-star jam-packed episode. Um, how much fun was it talking to Paul? It was, was great. Dope, man. I want to send out apologies right now to Urban Heretic, who was a little salty that we had Paul on the show. Apparently, Paul stood him up for Last Real Heels at some point in time. So Urban is a bit salty at us that Paul did our show. I had no idea that there was any heat with Urban and uh, not getting that guest, but he was not happy to, to learn that we got that guest. So if you see Urban flaming us on social media, just know that regardless of the fact that he's mad at us, I still love Urban, and I'm sorry that it went down that way um and we'll just leave it at that yeah. so uh if you guys don't have anything else for jim who's not here for me who's across the pond for byron Fieger, for the man the professor the straight a student over there casey congratulations brother by the way <laughs> yeah guys before you. we go off i just i need a teacher versus teacher feud you guys know what i'm talking about oh uh, uh, fucking really fucking dean douglas versus matt striker so I need a Casey versus Striker oh fucking feud. You know what I think about that? Fucking feud? What? Yeah. You know what I think so. about that? Until Do next I... time, stay calm and stay in the mix.